and welcome to Watching Worst Films, your guide to Razzie history. We are, of course, the podcast that watches every Razzie Worst Picture winner and discusses the year as a whole. This week, we are covering the year of 2006 and its winner, Basic Instinct 2. So, my name is Jericho Reed. With me, Kyle Shemansky. Let's get into it. Kyle, what was your prior experience with Basic Instinct 2? Basic Instinct 1 <laughs> is pretty much my only experience. I forgot this existed. I'm mm. a sucker for weird sequels, especially later, now they're legacy sequels and all that shit. But like, it's quite unheard of back then to have something 15 years after or whenever the release was. Um, yeah. So that's all I knew. I, I Yeah, no real idea, no who the director was knew Sharon Stone was back that's about it I knew it wasn't liked either I think I knew that it slid under the radar and just fell into obscurity what about yourself? yeah very similar to you to be honest um I I keep forgetting that it existed I sort of like even with the Razzies I keep memory holing it like it's one of the Mm -hmm. ones that I just kind of forget about Mm-hmm. Um, I I I didn't really have any prior experience with Basic Basic Instinct one because I only watched that for the year it was nominated for the Razzies. So mm-hmm. so I watched that within the last six months or so, and I always just got that confused with like Fatal Attraction or yeah. whatever any of those kind of yeah. erotic thrillers. You know they all blend yeah. into one at some point, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So oddly enough, the weirdest thing, like the reason it kind of stuck in my memory was from like 442 the football magazine okay or like sometimes an empire but weirdly the legacy of this film is probably that it features stan collymore Mm -hmm. the footballer because i remember that comes up like you know like these football magazines they would just interview the same people fairly regularly and i think it was mildly scandalous that a footballer was in like an erotic scene with Mm -hmm. sharon stone Mm -hmm. so i just remember um, Stan Collymore getting asked about that like perpetually and to my shame I didn't put two and two together so when he turned up I was like who is that guy well I I, re- I recognised I knew I knew it was someone yeah and I yeah I looked up at the end because I was I, st- I didn't get my answer but I was like I know you and this is what 2006 so this is yeah five four years after he retired Right about then, early yeah, 2000s. just post career, yeah, yeah, like yeah. A decade after he yeah, hung up his boots. But yeah, the infamous, notorious Stan Collymore, <laughs> Liverpool's <laughs> finest. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll do our usual budget thing. Mm-hmm. So on a budget of seventy million, how much do you think this film made? I'm gonna. I know it was a bomb, but yeah. it's also a name. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go straight down the middle. I'll go with thirty-five million. Oh man, you are. So close, thirty-eight point six million. Yeah. I think we have to give that one to you because yeah, it's that's, within ten percent. Like I'm learning now. Know. I'm learning. Um, <laughs> I'm getting well, better. Like you exec of you yet, <laughs> my friend? It um, makes sense. I, I imagine this. You know, I always say it's probably not a film either that made much on DVD or like home releases. It would have been. Mm. I doubt it was even bundled with the first one at all. I think it was kept separate and just. Fuck it, forget about it. Well, in theory, this is a prime Asda DVD. Mm-hmm. Like, if this if this movie had any life on home market, we would have been stocking the shelves with it. But 
I don't really remember, like you said, certainly not the the bundle, and I don't remember ever, ever seeing it. Well, that's it, and, and you know, when it comes to Ver- Verhoeven sequels, Starship Troopers always got bundled with the sequels, and you could buy yeah. the multi-pack and stuff, so Robocop gets bundled with the sequels, you know. Showgirls, Showgirls too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like, this, this stay clear, it got, like you say, memory hole, they got completely eradicated from his existence essentially <laughs> <Didn't happen. laughs> um, yeah. and here's where we release this episode and just get like attacked by a load of basic instinct two mm-hmm. stance um, so without further ado let's leap into this film mm-hmm. so basic instinct two directed by Michael Catton-Jones. Not a name I recognise. Well, his other credits include Doc Hollywood, Rob Roy, the Liam Neeson Scottish... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and The Jackal. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. So he directed that from a Leora Barish and Henry Bean script based on characters created by Joe Esterhass. But, of course, that is not what we are interested in. The main source of continuity with Basic Instinct 1 is Sharon Stone as the only returning cast yep. member mm-hmm. and the the mystery novel author Catherine Trammell. Mm-hmm. So the film opens and she is racing through the streets with our man, ex-footballer Stan Collymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, things are getting hot and heavy. They're racing through canary wharf which this is when you were like who is that guy like i recognize him and i was like he is the guy who is about to die in a car crash with sharon stone Mm -hmm. and i was kind of wrong because he doesn't die in a car crash exactly they fly off a bridge and into technically technically (laughs) (laughs) yes Um, it's the batman technicality I'm not going to kill you, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I have to save you. <laughs> he dr- he drowns in a car crash. Mm-hmm. Entirely Sharon's fault, though. Yeah, 100%. Which I-, I-, I kind of appreciated, because that's by like West India Quay, where I go mm-hmm. to the cinema sometimes. And so I was like, oh, I've walked over that bridge. <laughs> Basic Instinct 2 tour is going to have to happen, isn't it? Location scouting. <laughs> I-, I-, I would say, right off the bat, I said it to you as well, it reeks of 2006. Yeah. The lighting, the framing, I mean, it's like, just, there's so many movies from this period you could compare it to. Font as well, when all the titles are coming up, it's got that equilibrium edge font, you know, that everyone loves. Yeah. It's, it's edgy, it's clean, it's, it's very, yeah. very 2006. It's not timeless. Yeah, it's kind of like early digital cinematography, yeah, isn't it? So. Of like, it's got that kind of clean yeah. look. It's 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 not appealing. <laughs> and, and speaking of such, yeah, this is when we're introduced to Sharon Stone's return. She is noticeably old. I mean, it is fifteen years. I okay. don't recognize her from what she looks like in Basic Instinct One. She looks she looks like a different character to me. Okay. So I'm going to put that out Kyle there as well. with his famous women are not allowed to age. Oh no 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 cuz that's <laughs> that's an interesting that's an interesting film is if she wasn't really just you know if she had some growth and if she You want Cougar Catherine I want who's something like to, preying yes. on someone in a nursing home. I I want I want where she belongs. Yes, I don't I don't yeah, want yeah. her to play 1991 Sharon yeah. Stone like before we get into this as well like I think we've spoke about Sharon Stone on this podcast on something. Um 
she'll have come up because she 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 won the Flintstones year. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. Like we've 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 we've, we've touched on her a number of times. I'm sure I've said before if she's not being carried by the greats with the Allen and Stallone and Hans. <laughs> um, she's she's not one of my favorites. You know, like we can go into casino and all the you know everything else is known for. Yeah. But I wasn't excited to watch a Sharon Stone 2006 vehicle right off the bat. I was quite concerned. Let's just say. Um, you were way more optimistic, I think, at the start. Well, uh, we've probably skipped over this. So prior to even Stan Collimore's demise, we get the credits. And I was, like, beside myself watching these names. So we had uh, David Morrissey, of course. He's mm-hmm. the lead. But more interestingly, we had David Thewlis. Who, I, I, that was my one. I lit up for him. Um, yeah. Especially 2006. I was like, oh, you know, younger, um... Yeah. Yeah, I was excited for this. Yeah, big Thulis fans on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then we had my beloved Hugh Dancy, Will Graham himself, gets uh, gets chucked in a little further down the billing. So expectations were, if not high, they at least weren't low. I was yeah. like, okay, there are performers I enjoy in this film. I can't be in for that by the time. I, and again, even, even as I'm kind of slating the opening production values and all this, it doesn't look like Basic Instinct 1, which is honestly yeah. what I expected was just like a, a rehash of the first film. And that's what I was dreading the most, to be honest. It's just like a, a retelling 15 years later would have made me miserable. So yeah, okay, I wasn't yeah. as optimistic as you, but there was enough there to go, okay, this is intriguing. This is going to be something different, I guess. Yeah, so the opening is Stan Collimore dies because he is he dri- he's driving, right? No, she she's driving. She, he's on ketamine okay. or some some sort of drug that's whacked him out. She's going a hundred miles an hour and moves his hand to start masturbating herself with it, and she goes faster as she reaches her climax. They hit a pothole, I think. Go flying into the water. <laughs> she does attempt to save him, though, and not very yeah, not very. She makes a cursory effort. Yeah, yeah, a cursory effort. And then, she gets the fuck out of there. Yeah, and this is this is a bad little effect as well because he's obviously not underwater, not drowning. I know he's drugged up, but like, and you're asking <laughs> Liverpool's finest ninety ninety six striker to do a convincing performance, but um, yeah, like warning signs are there. But you know, it's an opening. It's enough to make you go, okay, like this is something. It, it could have opened with a big plotting, slow, fucking boring thing that would have made me miserable. Opening with a speed in the empty streets of London's fun enough for me. It could have opened on the camera panning over a like a prosthetic body, which we are led to believe is Michael Douglas, but which we don't see him in enough detail to have to pay Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the reason I thought it was Stan Collymore, like I see, I was like, I'm fairly sure it's Sharon Stone driving, but I remember her taking his hand and then that leading to them no. crashing. So I was like, hang on, wait. Maybe it was, I was like, maybe he was driving because I was like, no, because he, he asks, takes his hand. He asks her, he's like, am I driving? And she's like, yeah, darling, you're doing great. <laughs> and he's just, <laughs> eyes are rolling back and she gives him a kiss. Yeah. She's, it, I don't know if she's a way to kill him anyway. I don't know if the car crash was deliberate. I mean, she's a psychopath. So like, I, I don't really know what the intent, I don't know if they, what would have happened if they didn't crash, essentially. I don't know if it was intentional or not can't remember but you know she was definitely driving she's in the driver's seat sharon stone's never under any threat she's never not going to be in charge here. 
not half um, of So we then get like the the police examination, and this is where Detective Inspector Thulis is introduced. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember, or is it the judge? Someone says the line, "You were having sex at one hundred miles yeah. per hour." And she's cool. And she's like, "Well, cool inspector, detective, or whatever." Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's a it's a fucking again. This is red flag the movie because um, <laughs> you know what the dialogue's gonna be, mm-hmm. and it does get progressively worse. Spoilers, we'll get to it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I mean, I half chuckled. But yeah, yeah. So they're they're interrogating. What's her, her. response? I because can't. they're like, you were having sex at one hundred ten miles per. You no, were having sex at one hundred miles per hour, and she's like, I know it's a little slow. I couldn't get yeah. up to one hundred and twenty. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought she sauced them with a bit of like, no, actually, it was one hundred and ten. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You know, I was actually, and then I'm sure she says we hit a pothole or something. Yeah, again, British, British, British streets. So. You know, riddled with holes. Yeah, your uh, yeah, your new Labour government not mm-hmm. not uh, not making sure the roads are in good working order. Okay, so we then get introduced to David Morris's character, who is Doctor Glass, but we'll just call him Bruno because yeah. it's the color of night it's again. Night. It's like he's a psychiatrist. It's hundred percent. You want to make an erotic thriller, you get a femme fatale, and you get a well, psychiatrist. That's it. So basically, Thulis doesn't have the evidence to charge Sharon Stone. Yeah. So she gets it, gets her evaluated by Bruno to try and find something or stall her and yeah. find something. I, I don't really know why. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we jump into Colour of Night very quickly. It's like, take, take, a, take a big sip of whatever beverage you have to hand while I tell you, that psychiatrist is never going to fuck Sharon Stone. Yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> you, literally, like, you ate those words five minutes later, which I thought was fucking great. <laughs> yeah, not wonderful. He, so, yeah, he's just trying to analyse her, I think, and she's being yeah. a worse version of Basic Instinct 1. There's a lot of similarities, I guess, to the first film here. Like, all this sort of... This is what they're going for. I know, like, it's not connected, but they're trying to make you think of the first film a little bit. And um, there's certain yeah. framing as well. It's like, okay, I, I know what you're going for here. But yeah, he's, he's interviewing her. I can't remember what they fucking talk about. Um, so my notes are very thin on the ground here because this is just like an erotic thriller by numbers. Like we've really seen is. this we've film before. It. If 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 yeah. they're sitting down and talking, I tuned out essentially. <laughs> all my all my notes are the fun, weird little stuff that happens and um odd little observations, um and bits on the plot. The actual times where and sixty percent of the film is two characters sitting down talking. Yeah, I just tuned out. I was, I, I don't know why. I guess it's because I was dreading this as well. But like, you know, I never. There's films we've watched, but we're we're starting to get through so many erotic thrillers. Like you're saying, it's by the fucking boots yeah. now. I I could have played dialogue from Color of Night in my head or overdubbed it, <laughs> and I would have had no fucking different experience. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll just cover the the characters, I guess. The, the characters, the plot, and the fun things I thought about this film. That's that's going to be my my input today, I'm afraid. Well, because my first note is the death of someone, and so I'm like, okay, well, we better just establish him while he's alive, because we can't just immediately leap into him being dead. So Hugh Dancy is in this, 
And he's like a journalist. And is he dating Morrissey's ex-wife? Yeah, so Mor- Morrissey's divorced. Yeah. Sharon Stone yeah. points this out fucking lightning quick. But these uh, <laughs> wedding ring, you know, marks the last time. Tan yeah, line, yeah, yeah. yeah. From the notorious son of London in mid-October. <laughs> in, in Morrissey's white is a ghost as well, which is fucking hilarious. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, Will Graham's dating his ex-wife who I think is also a doctor. He's a journalist. Uh, yeah, Will Graham's look in this is quite funny because he looks like... He looks like... What does he look like? Like, he, he looks a little like Kit Harrington because his hair is kind of, like, more wild than... He, yeah, he, he looks like he could be in 2006, like, Arctic Monkeys, The Killers. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's an indie boy like, band. Velvet gold mine, mm. like he's wearing a little scarf, mm. <laughs> just like all in black. And <laughs> he doesn't like he's like a yeah, like kind of maybe 2006 Russell Brand mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. Like he because he's like a he's a crime journalist or something, isn't he? Yeah. He's not like a Fleet Street guy, he's like a n- niche publication, yeah. I think, isn't he? I, I, I don't know if it so. is meant to be niche or not because he is on, I mean, later spoilers when. Morrissey looks them up and stuff, um, kind of looks at the interconnecting plot elements. Um, I think he was, I don't know, I don't really know. I think it's meant to be a big brand, it's just a no-brand version of it, yeah. which is strange. <laughs> um, but yeah, whatever. He's, um, he's a journalist at the Times, and yet he dresses mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Noel Fielding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Mr. Morrissey, have you read me bookie book? <laughs> or writing the bookie book about the erotic adventures of uh, Sharon Stone. Sighting, nice to read a bookie book, if anything. So we then have our next character, my, the next person I have in the notes, which is Slavoj Zizek, mm-hmm. who, he's a photographer? An artist he? of some sort. Yeah, he's... Um, I, I, I don't think it's relevant. I thought he was like, yeah, he's some sort of artist. <laughs> yeah. He's hilarious. I like I like how um does it open with a painting of Sigmund and he speaks like <laughs> Sigmund and then you're like, oh, yeah. we're going to, and then it's the, it's the fucking. You know the uh, subconscious is <laughs> a part of the, uh, yeah. And then <laughs> maybe he's not Slavoj no, maybe he's a Paul Verhoeven surrogate. Yeah, I actually thought, you know, we're going to get a little, little dig or a little acknowledgement to Paul, but um, no, it's not. He, he's hilarious though, and um, I I, en- I enjoyed his character. I don't understand his point in the film. What was his fucking? Point? No, that's why I wanted to mention him just because he's a funny character, but he's of no relevance, and we probably, in fact, won't ever speak about him again. I'm sure. Did you not give him the painting that's got the German? Is that not yeah shit like that? I... Yeah, he does something to advance the plot, but what it is isn't really. Because we're just watching Color of Night reskin, so yeah. everything that's the plot, I'm kind of just like tuning out, being like, okay, wake me when the action starts happening. Yeah. Okay, my next note is looking at the book jacket while they fuck. Yeah. Because who who is it he's fucking? Is it just like a random intern that he picks up at like Slavoj's gallery Yeah, he's like event? gallery. I mean, this is jumping ahead, I think. The it, it's certainly yeah because I do not have many notes. So if, you, if you have anything you want to cover in between, um, I'm trying right. So I'm trying. Let me try and reel it back in a little bit. Um, just to give the listeners their money's worth here because I. Um, so no right so because I think Hugh Dance is dead by this point is he not? No no, no, no he's no. not because okay. my next note is regarding Hugh Dance is dead. Okay so I'll cover yeah. that a bit a little bit more and the sort of wastedness of Hugh Dance. Yeah yeah. But yeah I think it's a. Uh, 
an intern or just another it's someone it's like a dinner party they walk eyes don't they yeah yeah i, I, I don't think it's important. yeah basically, yeah it's not like a it's not like a long-term partner it's basically, like a one-night stand Morris, who's like yeah. a bit younger than him Morrissey at this point's already you know so he's interviewed charmstone and he's he's intrigued let's just say he's very she's got inside his head yeah for sure. so now he's, he's reading her books yeah which are wonderful 50 shades of gray style and um, standard <laughs> which is funny and now he's because he, yeah he reenacts a scene from the book with uh, the intern as well yeah which is strange and that's when he looks at Sharon Stone um picture <laughs> like, that, yeah like oh my god my, my brain is scrambled from this film and like, we just watched it like I, I I'm thinking of color of night far too often and I'm like no 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 that was <laughs> was that not in uh, is that they're all melted together um so yeah okay no get me back on track here because i've tried to i've tried to piece it together and i've failed well that's my only note i just completely tuned out and then i woke up when the sex scene was happening and it's kind of like a like it's just middle of the road whatever non-exceptional sex and then he makes eye contact with Aaron stone's book which is lying face down on his bedside table and like her picture, her portrait is almost like the entire back cover. Mm-hmm. It's like her headshot, and so he locks eyes with her, mm-hmm. and it it just becomes like a oh huh, and then he just goes absolutely wild. I think he like then bends her over so he can better look at yeah. the book whilst fucking her. Grabs the hair, <laughs> which is the bit from the scene that he was reading. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is and and that's when yeah no you're right because that's when. Midcoit is is when the phone goes off. He leaps off, arms through the. It's his ex-wife, and she's like, "I fucking need you here, like a split." Yeah, and he's like, "Sound," and he's like, "Can it wait five seconds?" I'm <laughs> jacking off over a book cover, uh, and that's where he goes rushing over, and that's yeah. where we lead to your next. Note. This is Hugh's design because I was I was crushed mm. because he's barely been in the well, film. He's, <laughs> um, he's barely been in the film, and this is where like. So plot-wise, I got really disappointed because I kind of started thinking he's going to be the investigative journalist covering Basic Instinct One, and it's oh. going to, you know, and he'll have you know, wait a minute, I'm going to you're interviewing the the my girlfriend's ex-husband is interviewing killer that I've yeah. been reading about from San Francisco 15 years ago, and I thought that's how it's all going to connect, and maybe maybe he would die later on when Sharon Stone was starting to catch on and manipulating things so just to yeah. wipe him out so quick like broke my heart because now we're going to get a much stupider film than i was sorry wanting or giving it credit for my hope for him being a kind of like fringe journalist was that he was going to be the freddie Lowndes. Mm-hmm. he was going to exactly, be poking yeah. his nose into the investigation and like Morrissey might end up having to silence him in order to carry on. Yeah. Like I thought he was going to expose something about Sharon Stone yeah. or him that's and it. Sharon that's Stone. That's exactly it. He's going to be like that cog in the system that's going to disrupt everything. Yeah. He's going to be the stick in the cog drag, rather, and he's going to yeah. make make the plot interesting. And it's not going to be paint by numbers. It's not going to be either one way or the other. Like spoilers. Like either Sharon Stone's going to frame. Morrissey or she's going to manipulate Morrissey. There's only two outcomes in this fucking film. Don't ever think there's ever going to be any more. It's never going to get more interesting. We're not going to have uh, interweaving things that are going to be really interesting and a cat and mouse chase. None of that's going to happen. 
So just let's just <laughs> fucking wipe that out of the way with you dancing. And <laughs> speed on, basically. Speed on at 110 miles an hour. Because I thought Hugh Dancing was going to be the, the Freddie Lowndes from Hannibal, but he's rather, he's the gimp from Color of Night. He's mm-hmm. like the goofy gimp. Of, mm-hmm. like, he's just, like, a guy who gets killed in some kind of, like, fetish scenario. Mm-hmm. And so he's your backdrop, right. which is just, like, the most beautifully composed frame. I know, right? I, I, I was really proud <laughs> oh of it. I, I put more effort into it. I've got Morrissey's face in, like, perfect yeah. action. Oh, it's framed beautifully. Yeah. Lighting. Wonderful. Yeah. So Morrissey's lit by sort of yellowish, um, the yellowish lighting of the room. And then it's, like, a perfect, like foreground middle ground background thing of you've got them all staggered from like left to right in the left you have like Morrissey's ex-wife looking concerned with her hand on her head in the midground you have Morrissey looking mildly perplexed and then in the right in the foreground you have Hugh Dancy just standing <laughs> just sitting lit by a spotlight so like yep. the color of his light is just pure white yep. and he's sort of looking up just like, wonderful like an innocent little lamb while he's wearing like a leather collar with a gear in his neck <laughs> yeah, it's um, a renaissance it's, painting it's a thing. i love it yeah it's a thing of beauty but alas, unfortunately, this is our farewell to Mr. Graham. My next my next note, I kill because I'm addicted to risk. Did you kill him? If I said I did, would you believe me? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would. Yeah. What's that? That's is that Morrissey and Sharon again, is it? That's Morrissey and Sharon. I can't remember. I don't think this is in relation to you, Dancy. I think no. this is someone else. Because the whole film is just therapy scenes. Yeah, it's probably Stan Collimore. Because at this point they found out that Stan had drugs in his system and they weren't sure if he was breathing or not And at the time the car crashed. So, you know, it looks like she's framed his death. Yeah. And that's kind of like Thulis's kind of detective line is that he's already dead and she's covering up a murder. Not that he drowned miserably. So I believe that's what it's in relation to, but I could be so wrong. I think you're right, because I was just completely tuned out. <laughs> my my next note is David Morrissey hates smoking. Yeah, well the film hates smoking. Um <laughs> You said this you said this, you called I mean I, I got annoyed because there's a lot of smoking in this film. Yeah. And that's not good for me. That's not good for when I'm trying to pay attention for two hours. <laughs> I uh, I'm if if Sharon can smoke, I want to go smoke. I, I thought that was funny as well, you know, when she's wanting to smoke when She's been like interrogated, and that's a crime. Arrest her. Um, there's your evidence. Well, because Morrissey flips out. He's interviewing like a potential killer, and yet the angriest we ever see him in the film is when she dares to smoke in his mm-hmm. office, and he screams, "Put it out now, <laughs> or you can leave." That's, that's later, but I mean, she smokes. I mean, she smokes early, and he doesn't. He's just like, "That's not allowed." Because, as yeah. I said to you, it's two thousand and six, and the indoor yeah. anti-smoking laws have just kicked into the UK, um, in Scotland, yeah. and soon to be followed in England. So it's very <laughs> fucking relevant. It's relevant to me. It's relevant <laughs> to the time period. There's a scene at a dinner party when it's um, who the fuck is it that goes out for a cigarette? Someone else, some female goes out. Yeah. And it pissed me off as well because she's like, "I'm gonna go, don't I don't want to miss the gossip. I know it's so antisocial to go out smoking. Again, relevant yeah. to the times. And she doesn't even go outside. Yeah, yeah. She just goes into the next fucking room, which pissed mm-hmm. me off so much. And then Sharon Stone comes <laughs> in smoking, and they're talking about smoking. And 
everything's smoking and anti-smoking in this film. And it, it's, <laughs> you know, like, I, I've watched noirs, I've watched erotic thrillers, I've watched stuff with yeah. you that, you know, everyone smokes back in the day, but, oh, it's so weird, and it stands out so much in this film. So yeah, Auntie's basic instinct too, like don't smoke, is how I took, <laughs> what I took away from this film. Well, we know that Mark Strong made some bank being the voice of coronavirus in the UK, but I hope that David Morrissey got paid a little bit by the UK government to reprise his character from Basic Instinct 2 with like, as of June 21st, 2007, it is now a crime to smoke indoors. Mm-hmm. Put it out now! <laughs> or you can leave! <laughs> Cut to Hugh Dancy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this is my final note, which is Jesus. just another piece of dialogue. Yeah, I told you, very thin on the ground. Sharon Stone does the backwards chair thing yeah. in one of her therapy sessions. And she says, when you think about fucking, and I know you do, how do you picture it, doctor? And yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's just it. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, I too have seen Basic Instinct 1 film. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, yeah, right, honestly, there's not much more. I know we're speeding through this. This is a record. Fucking dirty love. We're here for four and a half hours. Dissecting jokes, but um, I, I really don't. Strip tease. We spoke for like longer strip than the length of the film. Great, though. Um, yeah. Strip tease. <laughs> like right. So like, I, I guess it's just my like review now. Unless there's anything you really want to add. I, I mean, I want to talk about the ending. I really want to talk about the ending. I've got like extra textual stuff to go over. So I guess I, I didn't take it down, but David Thewlis's when is it he? When is and David Lewis is investigating a murder and he's like, "Oh, did you think I wanked him off and made him? Mm-hmm. Co- oh, did you, I found the body. I wanked him off and made him come just to get yeah. the perfect <laughs> crime scene. Is that what you think I did do?" But n- n- no, it's just a, it's just a collection of moderately weird lines. So yeah. by all means, take us to the ending and then we can right, discuss so, the film as a whole. So yeah. Ex-wife dies. Yeah. And Morrissey's obsessed with Sharon Stone. They get together. I think this last yeah. half hour, this what we re-jumped into once we had a little break, really fascinated me because it got weird as fuck. And yeah. I, I, I didn't expect it to... I thought it was just going to peter out in the end, you know. <laughs> Thulis saves the day. Sharon Stone runs away, you know. Like I say, <laughs> one or the other, the predictions was going to come true. So, as a half an hour towards the end is our first basic instinct one proper reference it's not just a little shot like at this point morrissey's been looking up archives and found out about thulis's corruption or bad cop work or whatever the fuck are you just doing so he's got the doubt that maybe sharon stone was innocent as well during this time and he talks about yeah basic instinct one he asks her about basic instinct one um, and she denies it. And that's it. I think it's just like one line. It's yeah. something about I can't remember the boy's name from the first film. You watched it more recently. Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The character's name and Michael Douglas. <laughs> and she's like, "No, I didn't do it." And then I was like, "Oh fuck, yeah, that's Basic Instinct One." Like I base your sequel around it, you know, like let's connect it more. Like bring it back. Why are you in London? Why are you away from There's that? a report here that says the last man you were with died of throat cancer <laughs> after sleeping with you. 
Is that true? There's so much you can kind of like delve into, like delve into, sorry, here. So that took me by surprise because I forgot we were watching a Basic Instinct sequel. Like for a long time, I, I don't know why, I think it's because Sharon Stone doesn't look, I'm not meaning age, but she doesn't look or act like her character as much. She doesn't have Bear Hope in directing her. Not yeah. that I love her in Basic Instinct 1, but like she is mm-hmm. lazy here. She's not doing much. She's not delivering her lines with any conviction. She doesn't even smoke yeah. with conviction, you know. She doesn't even look realistic <laughs> doing that. Um, it is lazy is the only way to kind of say it. Yeah, we're, we're barreling towards the end. Sharon Stone's writing a new book, and it's, you know, she's she's not a very good writer, so she's just literally making shit up as she goes and then killing and reenacting it, or she's getting her inspiration from real life or whatever the fuck she's doing. doesn't really matter. There's a point where Morrissey clicks about this, I believe. Yeah. I don't think I hallucinated that. And then we are moving straight towards the fucking end where he clicks the, the other doctor. I think that's who was smoking earlier. I think I'm just muddling it up in my foot, head. It's the next character to yeah. die, you know, as people are getting killed off like the book. Oh, shit. Yeah, we haven't acknowledged Charlotte Rampling as the other doctor. That's the other doctor. That's who was smoking. And she's not important. She's not. <laughs> no, no, nothing fucking... The, the biggest thing we fucking neglected to talk about was the scottish journalist or oh um, yeah 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 which made us both have a little mark out moment <laughs> yeah chalk that one up chalk another that scottish one up, character another Scot- and, and, and you know what a legit we had scotsman the, as well the, um yeah I yeah believe, we had the mean, lawyer from bolero and yeah. then we have the journalist from uh, um, I mean, <laughs> basic instinct too the accents turned up for america as always but i was like it's, yeah. it is a real accent so that's um that's yeah. nice to hear and <laughs> yeah so yeah, there's the other doctor, and that's who Morrissey clicks is going to be next on the the hit list from Sharon Stone or whoever the whoever the killer is. Yeah, and then he rushes over to confront her and save her. But twist is Sharon Stone's already there. Dun 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 dun, and it's no no no. You're the you're the villain, Mister Morrissey. Thulus <laughs> 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 comes in. Morrissey shoots. Coolest, kills him. I think he kills him. Tragic. Tragic. Yeah. Boom. Um. Um, we're going to get you institutionalized in a mental home. It's flash forward a year, a week, a decade. Who the fuck knows? Doesn't Well, it must be at least a year. Sharon Stone comes to visit. It was it was you. It was you all along. You're the murderer. <laughs> um, uh, you killed your ex-wife's boyfriend because why would should be allowed to be with another man and and you killed your yeah. ex-wife and then you know then he killed david Thewlis and you know it's always been yeah. you and i manipulated you all along and i wrote it down in this book with a terrible cover called the analyst and here's a copy yeah surprise morrissey has been the sweet and tender hooligan all along yep. and cut to black cut to black <laughs> dumb <laughs> so yeah like there's we have torn through that really fucking quick again go watch Colour of Night and then go watch Basic Instinct or watch them on two screens simultaneously (laughs) and you can watch Basic Instinct too which is so like I'm gonna here's my review because I was thinking about it like to summarise it without going through the plot just what I thought about it this is not the worst film Yeah, there's a lot of competent stuff in it it's not cheap as I thought it would be which is nice to see there is some interesting stuff in it. Like I, I, I think, and I, I, I don't know if you've done this. I think this is me doing this for the first time. I have the IMDb trivia page up because I want to look up something. 
I had a hunch. So yeah, I don't know. Have you looked them up? Yeah, I've got a bunch screenshotted okay. because I think that there are we've raced through the sort of film itself, but there's a lot surrounding the film to talk about. Okay, well, so that's why I want to there talk is about, yet yeah. hope that we will release yeah. a four-hour episode. Yes. So. so here we get into this territory now because the film's over. It's two hours of mediocrity. It is forgettable. I will forget this, but I have forgotten this film after watching it. It will be somewhere <laughs> in the middle of the Razi winners. Yeah, it's going to be direct middle. Like, do not like we mentioned the goofy gimp. We mentioned things from Color of Night and Bruno that have stuck in our craw. Mm. But do not expect us to call back to this film Never, ever, again, ever again because there's nothing. There's to nothing here. About but this is what I was so while I was watching it. Like I said, when I was thinking of a better film, which I often do, I try and rewrite a film in my head, and I thought this is obviously yeah. a film that was been through production hell. This has been rewritten. Yeah. This, this is my exact thought was this has been, I wanted to be, I wanted to go prove it to myself to make sure I was right because yeah. it just smelled like it had been churned through multiple drafts. It felt like this had been. Well, like who in 2006 is like, a, oh, I'm going to write a screenplay for Basic Instinct 2. Well, that's it. It's this not, just I, seems there's like no, there's something no way. Been... This is a 1996 script. Yeah, this has just been in development hell. This has been, obviously, yeah. Like, it might not be 96 directly, but I can tell this is probably about five years after. Probably post-casino, pre-ants for Sharon Stone. Sometime sometime in her peak. And this was my thought. So you've got the screen caps. You can... I thought there is either a good script or this is a different film that's been rejiggered and retooled to be Basic Instinct 2. Like Die Hard 2. Yeah, exactly. Like Die Hard 3. You know, we're going to take another... Rambo films are totally different. We're just gonna exactly this is this is something that's either been in development hell for a decade, or it's someone has written an erotic thriller and been persuaded that they can get it made if they just retrofit it into being Basic Instinct two. Well, I was just gonna say because like that's kind of the like the the main like most of the bad parts about it are the extent to which it's uh, obligated to be a Basic Instinct sequel. Like Sharon Stone's dreadful. And all the stuff surrounding her being like, I don't know, I guess once you strip away that, then it is just that like erotic thriller by numbers Mm -hmm. that we've discussed. But like, maybe there could have been a little more breathing space or the film could have evolved an identity, which was interesting if it wasn't just this like sequel. Well, that's it. That's why that's why I I, I feel in my heart that there's both. I I believe there was it's in development hell. This is my theory. And yeah, you can correct me where mm-hmm. I get along. I believe probably Verhoeven was going to do a sequel or be involved in it in some way. And obviously, showgirls will throw that out the window. <laughs> Let's do Starship Troopers instead. Make Kyle happy. <laughs> I, I think there is a really interesting concept for a Basic Instinct two. I think it's really easy mm-hmm. to write a Basic Instinct two. Basically, yeah. Hannibal, like sequel to Silence. This yeah. post life of a like a serial killer or a sociopath is interesting yeah so many routes to go down there's so many we see it in so many other media and other shows and films it's easy to do yeah but for whatever reason it never got made Verhoeven dropped out Sharon Stone yeah demanded too much money it got passed about so fuck it do we have a script line about yes we do we have just the one called you know some seven ripoff, some psychological thriller. We'll throw in some erotic elements, pay Sharon Stone a buttload of money, and 
bish bash bosh hire someone at a month's notice because no big name wants to work on this we have a basic instinct 2 film but by the time you've done all that it's now 2006 and no one gives a shit so it bombs horribly i think and I feel I was pretty close with that. I mean, maybe some of it's off, but I think a lot of those elements are somewhere in place. And yeah, so the this is what kind of intrigued me. I was like, so if you take away the how do you make it better, I think Basic Instinct 2 is an easy film to make good. I think it's an easy film to, not this version, but to do. If you got an alternative yeah. timeline and you approached me in the mid-90s, I would be able to churn out something that is at least different and what a sequel should be and following up and being, you know, completely new take on it. But the production of it does make me really intrigued. And I want to know what the director thought about it. I want to know what Sharon, I want to know what Verhoeven thought about it because it's weird. And it's such a weird little anomaly that just kind of, you don't get this often. You don't get these big, big budget sequels. You wouldn't get like The Lost World coming out 15 years later but only Sam Neill returns. And yeah. It's shh, shh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and it makes 10 million or whatever. <laughs> like that wouldn't happen. Things like this don't happen often. So I was like, there's got to be a story in there. Well, let's jump in to my quotes from the film and my little things which I have un- uncovered while digging. So the director, Michael Catton Jones, has probably been the the most damning about the film. He's describing it as a painful experience and he said that he was basically, where is it? He signed on to direct the film later saying, I was completely broke and had to take anything that came in. Basic Instinct 2 was this poison chalice that had been passed around and eventually it arrived at my door. And then he, he said, I reread the script and knew I had to redo it. I later learned the script had been around in Hollywood for years and the movie was a deal film, which means that nobody really gives a monkeys how it turns out but a lot of people make a lot of money as soon as it's made. It was a disaster. I wanted to get out, but I'd have been sued to death. Sharon Stone lives in a zone inside her own head. She's had to do everything to get up the greasy pole, and having reached a certain age, then wonders what to do. It's all about insecurity and fear, and to show she was the star, she'd turn up late, not know her lines, and she'd make appointments to have her nails done on the day of filming. There was no point getting into a fight with her, though. <laughs> and that's... That almost nail on the head i also want to say that it shows that sharon stone didn't give a shit yeah there's points here where it looks like she's just reading off cue cards there is points where yeah listen we we did four takes and maybe at the most this is not this is literally the best one we'll cut it reactions about like she's not dwelled on unless she's naked essentially because you can tell that the director knew it's a bad performance out of her. So yeah. he gives more to everyone else to try and cover yeah. it up a little bit, to try and surround her with Brits and maybe people won't notice. Mm-hmm. Maybe she won't stand out as much and whatever, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds really likely. And, you know, I get it as well. I get it when it lands on, if I was poor and I needed work and here's a mega <laughs> hit, se- you know, mega hit film needs a sequel, yeah. get, you know, Sharon's involved, you might be able to get Douglas, you might be able to get Fairhoven as a producer or some shit, like, but no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. That's where it also ties into my time constraints. I, yeah. I didn't get time to redo anything. It's got to be made really fucking quick because it's going to development hell. It needs to be now or never, you know. So, yeah, that, that sounds likely. Another little piece of trivia I have for you. 
Jan de Bont was considered to take directing duties for some time. It's the one I, it was the one I seen, and that's the one I was going to bring up. Of course, he fucking did. The biggest surprise of figure. He's at the center of the everything. Biggest fucking Razzie surprise of this film is that Jan de Bont didn't direct it. Um, <laughs> of course, he or did something because this is right up his fucking street. That makes me think again, though, that you can't even get Jan de Bont. You, you think this has to be made. Fuck it, we're doing it in London. We can do it in yeah. two weeks. Quick, quick, quick. Get it out, get it out, get it out. We'll sell it on the poster, you know, basically. Try and reprise. People, yeah. I don't I don't know who this is for, I guess. Like, you're not selling it to a new audience that 40-odd Sharon Stone's a sex symbol that she was. And you're not going to sell it onto the mass nostalgia base and fan base of the first film. Well, the funny thing is, most of the other pieces of trivia are regarding alternate casting, but one of them says, when Sharon Stone refused to reprise her role at the beginning of production, producers consider casting either Demi Moore or Ashley Judd. So, Demi Moore, again, blood in the water, Mr. Razzi would have been circling, he mm. would have absolutely loved that. But... It just seems insane that you would consider making this film without Sharon Stone. Because what would it be? Like, she's the only thing that makes it a basic instant sequel. I see. I I get it, though, in terms of if Sharon Stone wasn't in it, it's straight to DVD. Yeah. You don't lose any money. And you, like, especially if it's what you said, you know, people probably already had, like, clauses and sell on things as well like if it gets made yeah. i get a million because i wrote this 10 years ago or i had the rights to it after the first film yeah packs right off you know like we can kindergarten cop to it we can just fucking throw it out into the ether and no one will care that seemed it honestly surprising that sharon is involved but she probably got paid very very well for it i yeah. assume a big chunk of the budget was her which again 2006 doesn't make any fucking sense but um whatever so my other piece of trivia for you robert downey jr was set the star but had to drop out when he was charged with drug possession the luckiest thing that has ever happened to that man um because this is is 06 downey jr or 05 yeah like this is not yeah. Iron Man, Renaissance Man. Well, exactly, and that maybe doesn't happen if he is in Basic yeah, Instinct yeah, too. You just shift the timeline, and his like drug sort of rehabilitation mm-hmm. arc occurs a little bit later, and someone else has already been cast as Iron Man. Yeah, bullet dodged there. Well Kurt Russell was attached at some point, but bailed out because he felt uncomfortable with the nudity. Insane to imagine Kurt Russell being in this. I mean, yeah, again though, you know, you think of two thousand five, Kurt Russell is not he had his you know you're the post-executive decision post escape la and stuff he's not always the big name i can see kurt russell doing it the original yeah, instead yeah, of michael yeah. douglas yeah, yeah, yeah. i just can't imagine him doing the uh, kurt russell's not the hanging down for less than because he's doing 30. sky high like yeah. why <laughs> pierce brosnan refused to play the male lead role because of distasteful elements yeah. Which sounds to me like a euphemism for hanging dong. (laughs) Bruce Greenwood was set to star but dropped out because he hadn't been signed on yet and feared the actor's strike. And then my favourite, Benjamin Bratt was banned by Sharon Stone for not being a good actor. Oh, (laughs) that is the pot calling the kettle. Well, because they'd worked together in Catwoman. Yeah, that's screaming insecurities to me though. That's that's, that's what the director's saying, you know, like her... Yeah. She she won't let this be sabotaged by a bad performance, you know. This production ain't big enough for two bad actors, Benjamin. <laughs> You're out. 
And then we have another good one here. Rupert Everett publicly expressed his anger after being turned down star opposite Sharon Stone by MGM's CEO Chris McGurk for being a pervert who would never be accepted by the American public in this role. That's fantastic. Put that on the CV. Yeah. Uh, yeah. MGM being a pervert as well. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Um, Can you imagine Paul Verhoeven if he's been directing? He'd be like, Great, Perfect. that's exactly yeah, what we're looking exactly for. Cast yeah. <laughs> that man immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so before we get on to the Razzie worthiness of this film, my final piece of trivia for you. You said that you hated the score, and the score is really bad. I forgot about it. I did forget about it. I didn't know bring that up. It's almost as... Me- it's, when it's at its best, it's as mediocre as the rest of the film. It's as forgettable as yeah. the rest of the film. But there are certain scenes in the... Everything from like the action scenes and quotation to the sex scenes, everything is so weirdly fucking misdone, misplaced. It's so odd. It's yeah. so cheap. It's so rushed. Yeah. It sounds like a score that's been, eh, yeah, I got something that I was gonna do for you know something else, and here we go. I'll reuse some bits and pieces. It cheapens the film probably the most. It makes it feel like a TV show rather than a, a big. Hollywood sequel, especially doing it in London, again, also makes it yeah. feel so much cheaper. The score is shit. Yeah. Well, would it have made it better for you if I told you that Jerry Goldsmith was originally in talks to do the score before he died? <sighs> I was like, could have killed him, eh? It could have been the film that killed him. It could have been his <laughs> fucking penultimate effort or whatever, you know, like his um, final goodbye to the world. I'd have loved to see a, Jer- a Jerry Goldsmith score would have done Right, you know, Basic Instinct 1, you know, put the fucking score over this film and you could improve it by 10% just to make it feel more of a a thriller, a bit more, you know, suitable. I guess that's the word. It's so so out of place. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, so the Razzie-worthiness of this film, do you believe it was Razzie-worthy? Despite me moaning about it for an hour, no. Mm. Sharon Stone, yes. 100%. 110%. 100%. Yeah. 110%. She deserves, she deserves a win here because she is shocking. And I know yeah. we've talked about something like, you know, even yeah. Demi Moore's can be, you know, no, 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 no. This is this is probably the worst. This, this is a proper stinker. Mm-hmm. But the film itself, everyone else tries, you know, like Thulis tries, you know, like some, a lot of them have to deliver nonsense. And yeah. I give them passing grade just for an effort for, um, yeah. and all the other, the, supporting actresses are fine as well they're again they try yeah. they put in some conviction it's competently made if rushed other than the score it's it's shot fine it's not mm-hmm. you know it's not as cheap as it could have been yeah like no it's not it is it's what i always moan about when it's when it's so mediocre across the board there's not any camp value to it there's no so bad yeah. it's good value but there's nothing to really praise either no yeah. it's, it's not a worse picture no yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Like, it's just, it's weak sauce. Like, it's just got the direct-to-DVD stink all over it of, like, it's generic. Like, it's not it's not good enough to be worth watching, but nor is it bad enough once you take out Sharon Stone. It's not bad enough in any respect to be truly Razzie-worthy, particularly in a year which had an outstanding candidate. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. This is a, this is a very middling, middling only contender reason and not really Razzie-worthy. The only reason anyone should ever watch this film is if there's a Paul Verhoeven commentary track 
out there in somewhere, <laughs> then, I would, then I'd watch it over and over again. I'd watch it with Paul. Yeah. I would, I, basically. John Waters <laughs> on one side and Paul on the other. Wonderful times. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, no recommendation, but no... Not Razzie winner, exactly what you said. So it won a whole bunch of awards. Worst Picture, obviously. Michael Catton-Jones was nominated for Best, uh, for Worst Director, rather, but did not win. And rightfully so. Yeah, he's kind of doing his best with a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Worst Actress, Sharon Stone, absolutely deserved. That's a win, Because yeah. she is dreadful, as we have, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the okay. win. That's the only, that's the only as one. As we have covered, I am, yeah. If, if she didn't win that, I would have been furious. I don't think yeah. there's going to be a worse league performance in 2006. Mm. <laughs> Maybe worst lead female performance yeah. in 2006 yeah, yeah, so because yeah, there, so. there's a worst supporting actor. Once again, I have uh, I've been a little little zen these past few weeks, but I am now once again ready to throw hands over this. David Thewlis nominated for worst supporting actor along with another film. So um, I haven't seen that other film. I suspect you may have. So we'll cover it in the second oh, okay. half. But on the basis of this. Not worthy no, at no. all. He's one of the better performers in the film, to be honest. He's got energy. He, he yeah. puts an effort. He's convincing. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, he's probably one of yeah. the better crew. He's not given much to work with, well, but again, he's Again, you're like, delivering the fine. worst fucking dialogue imaginable. Like, he, <laughs> he tries and, like, you know, that's what they always say, a good actor can deliver bad lines. And, yeah, he can. Yeah. He's great. He's a great actor, and you yeah. can tell he's a great actor, too. Yeah, yeah, no, fuck that shit. I'm glad he didn't win, though. Well, as you were saying, Worst Lines, it won Worst Screenplay, Leona Barish and Henry Bean, based on characters created by Joe Esterhaus. Mm-hmm. Well-deserved, because the script might have been good at some point, but it's being kicked around long enough or twisted and altered into this sequel that it's not really... Um, I don't know if it's win-worthy, but it's certainly nomination-worthy. Yes. Like, it's it's not good. It's, it's bad. It's yes. real bad. Yes, but, yes, yes. Yeah. Worst Screen Couple... Sharon Stone's lopsided breasts. Uh, what? Um, <laughs> what the fuck? Um, all right, like, no, what the fuck? That is the most incelly <laughs> fucking... Okay, okay, Mr. basement dwelling, Mr. Razzy fuck. Um, well, well can... let's just cast our minds back to the most recent Razzy ceremonies where Mr. Razzy nominated Andrew Dominic and his issues with women for worst screen whoa. couple. Um, <laughs> whoa. Like... What the fuck? I did not expect that. I expected Sharon Stone in any character. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, 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 no. Like, like, God, like, right. So when I'm moaning about Sharon Stone age in this, it's because it's it's not really appropriate. You know, like I say, to be the seducing fan yeah. in your mid forties isn't is. Listen, effective. women over the age of fifty, um, women over the age of forty, you're not supposed to be sexual. Yeah, like, like no one's but, like this is inappropriate. She, and she doesn't just look like she does. Like I mean, in the hair and stuff, she doesn't hold herself the same way she does in Basic Instinct One. She's not directed. She's just Sharon Stone reading minds. However, yeah. all that aside, oh shit! Like she does look fantastic for her age. Like she does. Like I don't know how old she is here, but again, she's got to be forty something. Um, she does it great. And what the fuck? Like that's shocking. That is absolutely shocking. Um. So I was on the the lookout for this because I knew Mr. Razzi nominated it, and so I paid like a little bit of attention. And there's a scene in the hot tub where uh, I was like, okay, they look kind of slightly, but that might be the way she's lying or whatever. I was like, okay, there's that one scene where I was like, I kind of see what he's meaning in that it's not absolute 
it's not like complete made up nonsense but like i don't know how you would click like i i was looking for it because i knew mr razzy pointed it out i don't know how you could be watching the film and flag that up as like just cold because personally me i was looking at her eyes because they're up there so, mm, so um, you're a gentleman yeah tip your fedora um, <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that's a fucking disgusting thing though mr Raleigh. like that is that's bullshit. I'm sitting there slating her performance and all this, but like, get fucked. Like, when we're when we're done, we might need to tally up how many breasts have won or been nominated mm-hmm. for Razzies, because Pamela Anderson's impressive enhancements and barbed wire were also nominated, and so like I don't know, um, it might be like a a weird little hang up of uh, Mr. Incel, mm-hmm. and then the final award for this film, worst prequel or sequel. It won. It won. So I mean, yeah. As an yeah, again, it's, there's going to be worse. I know you're going to read out other ones that are going to go, yeah, that's actually a worse sequel prequel to me when we get to it. But um, it, I can't argue with it. Like in terms of quality drop, like yeah, of course it's, it's deserved. Yeah, I think this is. I I think I I can't remember what else is up for it, but I think this is one of those films where it's bad as a sequel because there's just very little. Like the only connectivity with the original is an actor who could not care less, mm-hmm. and so that makes it bad as a sequel specifically. So we kind of touched on it before. The smallest change you can make to improve the film, and you're just like drop the basic instinct branding yeah i mean recast sharon stone there's a, make make there's a, you can make a good basic instinct too with sharon stone i i still stand by that even even in 2006 yeah. there's still something you could do there mm-hmm. you could just drop the sharon stone and have a london thriller fucking serial yeah. killer thing uh a luther basically kind of film episode or whatever <laughs> it could be a, it could be an itv yeah. fucking mini series the mm-hmm. simplest thing is probably the score and Sharon Stone, though. But yeah, like, yeah. I, there's a, there's loads of little things you can tweak and improve. You can put make a better script. You could take out some of the shitty dialogue. You could you could cut a lot of the guff out and streamline this film a little bit as well. Yeah, there's a lot more you could do. So I, I think throughout this episode, I've given so many, I don't need to repeat myself. But yeah, there, it's, mm-hmm. it is an easy fix in a way that not just one little tweak would make this a great film. Well, my my suggestion, I'll just tell you that Sharon Stone had said she was interested in directing a third installment. And so my tweak is to just make this more of a sequel, make this more of a franchise. And as I was watching this, I'm glad we're on the same page with your reference to Hannibal. I would include a post-credit scene where David Morris is in the hospital and the phone rings, and it's Sharon Stone, and you see there is a man in a hospital bed with bandages wrapped tightly around his throat, and she is like, I hope you're doing well, Morrissey. An old friend is having me for dinner. <laughs> and she goes and just smothers Michael Douglas. Oh, okay. Cut to credits. Sharon Stone yeah, will return. I thought you were making Instinct a cunnilingus joke there. Camera pans down. There's Michael Douglas getting his throat cancer. <laughs> no, he's recovering from throat oh, cancer. And then she smothers him. Well, having me for with, dinner. I will leave that to yeah, the imagination. Yeah. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, like, well, um, I think um, I think a basic instinct three is really interesting. If you just yeah. kind of jump over these events, yeah. just like this one did to the first <laughs> We one. don't speak about what happened in Britain. Yeah, like, we don't speak about just, my gap here. You could just, again, throw in a little line that, you know, she manipulated people and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I, I, uh, even now, even in 2023, like it would still be a yeah. fun thing to kind of, yeah, I, I, I would watch a Basic Instinct 3. I'd rather watch 3 than a reboot reimagining. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Legacy sequel, legacy, legacy. sequel. I'm Sharon Stone training someone in being. Uh, I wonder Paul training Holmes someone back. in the basic oh. instincts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basic instinct maverick. Um, uh, okay, and so thus concludes the first half. Join us for the second half of the podcast when we'll be covering all of the other winners and nominees. Yeah. Welcome back to the second half of Watching Worst Films. This is, of course, the section of the podcast where we run over the other award categories for the year of 2006. So, starting off with the also-rans for Worst Picture. I'm excited for this. It's a fun year. It is a good year. So, our first nominee for Worst Picture is the Wicker Man remake. Have you seen that? Yeah. Of course I've seen the fucking Wicker Man remake. Um, okay, like, so, like, just cut to it. W- Wicker Man is a notorious memed film at this point. Notorious for Nicolas Cage's performance. <laughs> I, I I really like the original. I thought you were going to say I really like the remake. Oh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, right, so, like, yeah. I had um, I, seen the original before the remake. Yeah. I really like it. I don't love it. I think it gets a bit too much love, I guess, as a cult film literally yeah but um <laughs> i uh, i really like it so like you know like i like christopher lee i like early 70s british horror and strange things the remake is terrible mm. it is nato- it is funny it's a worse film than basic instinct 2 you can't it like say it's a black comedy or something it i did watch the sequel to wicker man is it the wicker tree or the wicker I think it's The Wicker Tree. Could be wrong. And it's terrible, too. And that's the original <laughs> director. So, um, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't like it. I I think it's funny. And it's probably good to watch with friends, have a laugh and a riff. But if you're going on technical, objectively, it's worse than Basic Instinct 2. I think it's better than Basic Instinct 2. I think it's better I mean, than... It's, it's, I, I like The Wicker Man. <laughs> I don't like it, but I have some fondness for it. Just because... Like, for... For its entertaining factor, yes, that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, it is, it is an easy watch, I don't but like, know it's where not to, a good film. I don't know where to draw the ironic line, because I went in expecting a room-level disaster, and I was oh, like, no, 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 no. I was like, parts of this are almost good. Like, it's almost like, it, it almost does Shutter Island before Shutter Island. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, you, like have, you seen, have, you, have you seen the original? I've seen the original, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. So like like I think there are good things about it. Yeah. It yeah. goes off the rails for sure when Nicolas Cage yep. is just running around and screaming. Yep, yep. I was really absolutely heartbroken when I discovered that the bees scene was not in the movie, not in the final mm-hmm. cut. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what it was. I watched this in preparation for the unbearable weight of massive talent. I did like a little Nicolas Cage marathon watching a bunch of his films I hadn't seen. And I watched this thinking this would be like peak unhinged cage. And when they were burning him alive, I was like, well, he's going to get out of this somehow because the bees have to <laughs> occur. Oh, I mean, 100%. I mean, I guess, what when's Ghost Rider out? Um, that's that's 2007, cage. I think. Yeah. Okay. So it's close, though. Yeah. Um, that's more. I mean, I'm not. Nicolas Cage isn't my favorite Coppola. Let's put it like that. Um, 
I, I I have mixed feelings on him. Yeah. If he's not directed by the Coens or David Lynch, I'm not. He he straddles my. I I can sit here and wax lyrical about Steven Seagal, but I draw my line at Nicolas Cage, so I'm a strange man. Yeah, I get it. And um, yeah, the B scene. It's like you said. It's if it was more. But if it was kept in, maybe I, I would understand. I think it reminds me a lot of when I watched The Exorcist with Sophie, my girlfriend, yeah. and she was going on about the spider walk scene. Yeah. And like she was like, oh, that looks stupid. And I was like, it's not in the fucking film, so you're all right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, it was that, um, you know, I, I, I will defend The Exorcist until I die for my favourites. But, um, you know, it's one that we said before, it's a film you've seen without seeing. Yeah. I, I think Wicker Man's probably seeped into a lot of people's yeah, subconscious this way as well now. Yeah, notorious. Mm-hmm. We will deal with Nicolas Cage later on, but other little things I'd like to mention. So this is good, good utilisation of the creepy Vancouver twins, who, if you are a Vancouver listener, you'll no doubt be familiar with the couple of twins I'm talking about. For our international listeners, you may know them best from the Netflix series of Unfortunate Events. They play two members of Count Olaf's troupe and okay. they're like extras. They're in like every Vancouver indie movie and they've been extras in some like big productions. And they're like okay. two old women who dress identically and are just like, they creep me out to no end. And okay. they're in this as cult members and I'm like, a plus casting for whoever cast them in that role okay. and then the other thing i really like is that james franco's cameo at the end like the, the movie end, the movie ends on the implication that james franco is going to be getting the b treatment next oh, because okay, okay, some people yeah, are like hey why didn't you take a trip out to our island he's like yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sounds pretty sounds it's pretty it's good it's a flat circle, Marty, and it's going to happen again. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just think that's very funny, 2006 casting, to have James Franco receiving uh, some sort of, like, righteous vengeance. Anyway, moving on, we have Little Man. Have you seen Little Man? Little Man. So we discussed this. I know this is one you've watched. <laughs> I, 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 I'm 99... I said this a lot. This is where you could soundbite me into some of these second sections. Yeah. I'm 99% sure I've seen this. Um, <laughs> I can remember it. I think I watched it on, like, Sky or something. I'm sure I watched it on DVD when it was bunged out. Yeah. Being a Wayans fan, especially when I was 17 or 16 or whatever. Yeah. But I seem to have blanked it from my brain. Mm. Um, I think suppressed it deep down into, like, some dark vault that I'll never open. So I'm going to pass on the, on the little man, the, li- the lonely little ladies man. Yeah, I'm going to hand this one over to you. So I despise this movie. Like, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just start off with, with the reputation of the little man. The little, the little man. <laughs> so friend of the show, Kelly, had a similar thing where she was like, that poster was like a fixture at her mm-hmm. childhood video store and freaked her out. And I was like, I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know if it was, it's probably a little too late for our video rental place, but it was either the library or maybe even us stocking it at Asda. But I could, mm-hmm. like, I have the cover to the little man. Like, I could draw you that from memory. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, so the little man loomed large in my uh, consciousness. I want to say, like, 
like loads of people from my school like loved like they loved the Wayans. They were always quoting like white chicks and like people at school was just loved scary movie. Like take my little hand mm. was like quoted constantly. And I wanna say like my friends were always doing like little man bits and I just didn't didn't get it. So Until now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So akin to my experience watching Jay and Silent Bob strike back and just being like, Oh, so this is what people were doing all those years. Little Man was a rite of passage. I was initiated into the cult of the Little Man, and it was not <laughs> unlike being burnt alive. So we'll just start off like it, it, the actions of the Little Man are reprehensible, but like it's disgusting on a purely aesthetic level mm -hmm. because you've got the uncanny valley of mm -hmm. in 2006, we weren't quite able to do. Like, we're, I guess we're post-Lord of the Rings, but um, we hadn't quite yet um, mastered the art of Force Perspective. So the little man just looks like an Uncanny Valley creation. He's like a Snapchat filter, or it's just like, it's so, like, the proportions just aren't right. And, like, you can tell, like, yeah, you could honestly do the little man better with a Snapchat filter now, of it's mm -hmm. just his head stuck onto another body. And, like, everyone in the film's head looks a little off. Like, I'm like, have they done something of just, we can't make the little man look good, so we'll just make well, everyone you... else look weird? I mean, I'm going to have to hand this over to you, because it's probably a 15-year, 10-year difference, but um, Schwarzenegger baby in Junior. Uh, you, I, you... I've oh never my God, actually I'm... seen Junior. You know what I'm talking about, though? No. When he freaks out when... Okay, Junior um, and Twins right. are, like, two of the only oh. ones I've never seen. Two of the best. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the DeVito team up is yeah. amazing. There's a scene in it where I think it's when he's freaking out when he's pregnant and he imagines himself as a, a little baby and it's Schwarzenegger's face pasted onto it. And it's got exactly what, I mean, I could be wrong here. I could be speaking out of my ass, but I'm sure it's got exactly what you were just saying, where his forehead's massive yeah. and his face is small because <laughs> I can't stretch it out. Yeah, and yeah. it's just this weird proportionate disgusting horrifying image look up after this um, viewers look up <laughs> yeah give yourself nightmares i i you would think technology would improve but i guess when you're moving and it's just it's hard to do without stretching and nowadays you can do it with a snapchat filter like you said but you can't do it then so another little tidbit for you about the little man is it's a blackface film or technically a black body film so the Little Man was portrayed by little actors Lyndon Porco and Gabrielle Pimentel. They were the body of the Little Man and Wayne's head was superimposed over the top, but mm -hmm. they obviously couldn't find small black actors, so the two actors had to be painted black in order to mm -hmm. double up as the body of the little man. Mm -hmm. So just as if this movie wasn't in poor taste enough as it is. How long is it after White Chicks? When's White Chicks? I want to say it's like, White Chicks is 2004, I think. Yeah, because it, feel, it feels like just such a lazy step down from that. You know, like, <laughs> um, not, not holding White Chicks as the highest, you know, <laughs> standard but like it, it really is it's a stupid idea it, it just it, it it seems to me that uh yeah white chicks was 2004 it, it seems to me like like i'm surprised that they couldn't get like a little black actor because to me it seems like it was made entirely off the crutch of 
what's the guy's name from Bad Santa? Tony. Oh yeah. Um, fuck no, he put me on the spot. Yeah. Anyway, um, it, I know. I know who you're meaning. Marcus from Bad Santa, who yeah. is Billy Bob's sidekick. It just seemed like that was like, oh hey, it's funny when like little criminals do stuff. It just mm-hmm. seemed like this was almost designed as a spin-off of like, what if Marcus had to go undercover as a baby? And like I, I I've danced around it enough, but the little man like straight up rapes his adoptive mother in the movie. <laughs> Fuck. Like <laughs> um, Fucking hell. Like they have the they have the bit where they're like, oh hey, the little man's gesturing that he wants to be breastfed by like random acquaintance. I'm like, okay, that's gonna be the appeasement of the teenage boys in the audience, whatever. But no, there's a scene where like he has sex with her under the blankets and then her husband is like enters the room and she's like, Oh wow, yeah, you were really good the second time. And he's like, The second oh, time. Oh my god. And the little man does like a hey, yeah. So the only thing I can say in in the little man's defense is like the Waynes does some quite good, like he does some quite good like act like when it descends into full Looney Tunes action at the end. He does some quite good, like, cartoonish expressions, where like, he's a good facial actor. It's almost like Nicolas Cage has spoken about, like, his kabuki theatre and sort of, like, exaggerated mm-hmm. facial performances. The little man could have done a good cartoonish Son of the Mask, like, CGI baby, kind of. That's the okay, one okay. saving Jesus. grace I will give you of the ladies' man. Um, that, that, is, that is generous as well. <laughs> the ladies' man. Sorry, the little man. <laughs> 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 Why do we keep giving this spin-off away for free? <laughs> Tim Meadows is like, hang on, wait. Oh, hang on, he's not doing anything in 2006, yeah. we can get him. And neither are the Wayans, the Wayans eye. The way- <laughs> okay, so next up we have Lady in the Water. Have you seen Lady in the Water? Big M. Night's first appearance is this? Um, I think it's first extended discussion of him, certainly. We might have um, grazed over him, but I think this is its so first. I have seen Lady in the Water. Yeah. I would have seen this in 2006. Yeah. Probably when Shyamalan still had pool. Um, <laughs> for, well, for me as well. I mean, I, I, I don't like Shyamalan, but when I was 16, 15, I did like unbreakable yeah i did like signs i did like the sixth sense um yeah i, I don't like any of them anymore um i've yeah. rewatched them they're i've not aged well for me yeah so i do remember watching lady in the water that's the one with the lady in the water nymph. yeah the nymph thing yeah, yeah, yeah. the, sto- the story tells I, I remember who i believe Bryce you also hate as a woman involved Bryce in star it, wars uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything um <laughs> So I remember M. Night in it as well. Yeah. I think that's the most infamous part. He's the storyteller or he's the, he's God or whatever. <laughs> he's some sort of mystic. I don't remember it as well as I wish. It's like, I've forgotten. It's not memorable. Yeah. It's probably its biggest fault compared to like, I remember the village and stuff. And um, I remember all these sort of post, let's say unbreakable stuff yeah. up until Last Airbender. So yeah, like, no comment. This is a really weird. I I don't like it. Yeah. I wouldn't want to rewatch it. I'd rather watch La- uh, Ladies Man, Little Man. I'd rather watch Ladies Man, and <laughs> Little Man, and I'd rather watch The Wicker Man or Little Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I the little this, lady this in the wicker man. <laughs> <laughs> the lonely little lady in the wicker man. Uh, yeah, this is this is a hard pass for me. I self indulgent crop, basically. Lazy, not for me. So bearing all that you said in mind, I watched it for this podcast. And I hate okay. Shyamalan more than you, if that is possible. Oh, okay. In that, okay. like, I watched like I watched all of his movies too late. Like, I think After Earth might have been the first one that I watched, and so I watched Sixth Sense after having had it been parodied and like yeah. ruined. And I was like, how on earth was anyone fooled by this at the time? Yeah. And so I've never really liked him. Always kind of thought he was a bit of a hack. I've had. L- little bits of time for his later films but like he's like he's really good at some parts but i don't know if he's ever made like a cohesive film that i've loved Uh, yeah and so i went in fully prepared to hate what i feel like is sort of held up as one of his like this is when he was just beginning to go off the boil like the happening is next isn't it oh yeah of like Um... he's he's done the village and he's like He's beginning to like get found out a little bit. So, well, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I I'm gonna say as well before you can do your thoughts. I do think he is a competent director, but ironically, he's a terrible storyteller. Yeah. Despite this being a film where he's the storyteller, I think. Yeah. I think I seen the Sixth Sense before it was yeah, in the pop culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like so, maybe the surprise. Maybe I was really young as well. I must have been like. 12, 13, it must be one of those like yeah. seeing adult films for the first time. Yeah. I really liked Unbreakable, but again, it's that age bracket where I'm easily impressed. Yeah. Um, different. Yeah. Signs, I really liked up until the last act. Yeah. And I still don't dislike it. I still like a lot of it. Yeah. But then it's when I realized you're stupid and you don't have any, <laughs> you don't have any fucking idea how to do this. Like, the village was definitely the oh my god this is even worse like you you do not know how to stick a lot the happening again oh there's three (laughs) out of three where you do not know how to stick a landing you have a a pitch you have a a concept you sell the studios based off the sixth sense Mm -hmm. here's a bunch of money yeah and i will just fucking scribble the ending on the back of one page (laughs) so yeah uh, that's gonna that's my Shyamalan experience and also i think on like you I'm done by this point. I, I haven't seen... I don't think I've seen anything past The Happening or this. Have you not seen, like, Split? No. Oh, uh, yeah. Fuck. Oh, fuck. I forgot about Split. Yeah, I, I liked Split. Yeah. Some bits. Split Split didn't feel like a Shyamalan film. Yeah. And that's probably no. his best compliment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. I forgot about Split. I forgot about Split because of the other one. Glass, Glass it, yeah. Which I refused to watch. So um, <laughs> I just... I merged them all up in my head there. Uh, yeah, I, I don't... I don't hate Split. Yeah. That's, that's probably my only... My post-happening Shyamalan is Split. That's his best twist for me. Um, yeah, yeah. As you thought this yeah, movie fun. wasn't taking place in the cinematic universe. Well, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so I went into Lady in the Water expecting to have a dreadful time, and I genuinely loved some parts of it. Okay, like in terms okay. of cinematography, I think like it's maybe one of his best shot films. Mm-hmm. And there's like there's one specific scene where it's like a locked off shot in a hallway and sort of jump cuts with like Paul Giamatti walking, like taking out garbage or mm-hmm. whatever. And I just thought it captured the mood so well. And like there are aspects of this where like 
like Paul Giamatti is just like a great actor and I think he Shyamalan knows how to use him well of that character just like really interested me there's just such a loneliness and sadness to him so even if I wasn't Mm -hmm. jiving with the story there was that kind of mood which resonated with me in a way that like almost nothing in the rest of his filmography has and like the Bob Balaban, like mm-hmm. oh, uh, the, the the there will be people who like fulfill these roles of like the guide will be someone who's like this and someone who's like this sort of story structure meta ness. It didn't work, but I could kind of appreciate what he was going for. I I, I feel that way about science. Yeah, so I understand exactly what I mean. And science for me, when it's good, is beautifully shot. And yeah. Made. It jumps from genuine thrilling moments to yeah. family spiel beer beer game moments to comedy yeah. as well that's quite well done. And there's so many things where it's like you do get this if you had a scriptwriter. If you were yeah. out doing something else, someone else's work, you could probably be really competent, really good. But you need to put the pen down. Yeah. So I, I absolutely <laughs> understand where you're coming from. I just forgot Lady in the yeah. Water. I that's it's, it's it's sandwiched in between the village and the happening, or I think so. It's it's stuck between a rock and a hard place for me. <laughs> Next up, we have Blood Rain. I'm relying on you. I feel like you might have seen yeah. Blood Rain. Fuck yeah! Um, <laughs> again, is this our first? This is Uwe Ball time. Yep. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So I have seen. That's um. What's her name? Terminator Three girl. Um, Christiana Loken, is it? That's the yeah. one. That is the one. Christian, Christian, uh, I don't know. Christina Loken, I think is what <laughs> I called her. Who um, I'm familiar with, Terminator 3 fan, obviously. Yeah. Um, she was in Mortal Kombat Conquest, the TV show, which I watched as a kid. So I had, a, I watched it for that. I had a soft spot for Uwe Boll films when I was in my teens. They are fucking dreadful. Um, they're all video game remakes. Yeah. Alone in the Dark, I've seen. House of the Dead, I think House of the Dead. No, Alone in the Dark, so I'm Christian Slater. I watched that one um, <laughs> for Christian Slater. Blood Rain, uh, based off of video games, I didn't think was theatrical. It must be. And it's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah, I would say is exactly, Uwe Bowl is exactly what a Razzie winner should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it is probably funner and campier now and it'd probably be a good time to watch for friends but in terms of like just the shoddy production the weirdness the thrown together the, you know one take you know everything which you know objectively you should be rating a movie on like critically yeah and base and razzies off in my opinion a hundred percent blood rain it was obviously made just to underworld cash in the time video game sort of establishment let's try and get some money in terminator three girls not doing much let's just get her in yeah yeah i i I remember the other two like i said alone in the dark and house of the dead are stuck in my brain because they are really bad and he only gets worse (laughs) because one of these german acts write-offs you know he does films doesn't matter if he makes money 20 million they've got huge budgets 30 million 40 million for this trash i 100 percent think blood rain should have been higher if it was theatrical i, I for some reason don't think it is but um, um I, absolutely it, it was i i, I looked it up in, um, in the u.s it did, was okay okay all right well that's fine it might have been his last one as well his last theatrical effort uibo someone we should be covering at some point uibo is 
you know, a man who boxed his critics. Well, that's um, what I was going to say is, are you prepared to fight him? Because I sure as hell am not. I am not. Like, <laughs> he's going to kick like, my he, ass six ways to Sunday. So. Oh, he's going he's gonna <laughs> to fucking bar. But, you know, I, I, I would love to have him on. I'd love to. Because he's, he's, a, he's a strange man too, you know, that doesn't almost, it's, it's strange how he continuously got all these video game adapted install up until semi-recently. I think he's still churning them out did the postal and stuff. Yeah, no, like, I didn't expect to see Blood Rain here. Yeah. I didn't expect to see Uwe Boll on any Razzies. I'm, I'm thinking he's not going to be a target. But he 100% should be a target. Out of these ones, Blood Rain is objectively the worst. Subjectively, probably a good laugh, you know, riffing on it. I'm sure it's a cult classic now and everyone loves it yeah. for stupid reasons. It's got someone in it whose name I can't remember. Um, it's got big name in it. You're going to tell me is it Michael Madsen, Ben Kingsley? No, Ben Kingsley's in it, and he is her dad, I believe, like a vampire. Yeah. Could be fucking wrong. No, you're um, right. Ben, ben Kingsley's in it. I forgot Michael Madsen was in it, but Ben Kingsley's in it. And to see these, you know, Madsen's obviously not given great performances at 06 by a German hack. <laughs> I get that. But, like, to see, you know, to see Ben Kingsley sort of fall in so far and, and i know i know he's done shit i know king's he's done shit but like this is weird and that's um i can't remember but there's a, i'm sure there's another big name but doesn't get bigger than meatloaf but oh the, my God. the name you might be thinking of is billy zane <laughs> billy zane's in a lot of ovi balls so i'm sure i'm sure he's in zane described it as a pleasure to work with such a decisive director <laughs> And to that, I can only say, you should listen to your friend Billy Zane. He's a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, like I say, I think Louis is someone we're going to have to get around to at some point. Yeah, future um, special, perhaps. He's probably... I, I think he'll never get a Razzie, which is... Hmm. You know, when we're going through Mr. all Mr. Razzie's scared, shit, he's going to fight him. <laughs> rightfully, <laughs> I'd pay money to see that. Um <laughs> So yeah, no, did not expect that there. Okay, that's uh, that's fantastic. But yeah, that's probably my pick of the layer here. So your uh, question about theatrical distribution: the film opened in nine hundred and eighty-five theaters across the U.S. on sixth of January. Sixth of January, and um, it was originally to have played up to two thousand five hundred theaters, but that number dropped to one thousand six hundred. And ended up lower due to prints being shipped to theatres that had not licensed the film. Billy Zane was involved <laughs> with distributor Romar Entertainment, and Uwe Ball later sued him for revenue owed. So it's interesting that you mentioned that, like, they presumably had that kind of close relationship where they collaborate, mm -hmm. and yet he sued him. So I guess all water under the bridge. But um, I mean, it, you know, when you're saying soon as well, you know, I don't know. Again, Uwe Boll's got that German tax write-offs, you yeah. know, where they give the incentivize and all this. It's kind of notorious for making big budget movies and taking home a big pay cut without paying tax. I don't know if there's some shenanigans going on between. I'm not. I'm not accusing Billy Zane. I'm not accusing <laughs> Mr. Boll. I'm just saying there could be. There could be. Um, be something. Okay, you can interview Uwe Ball and I will interview Billy Zane and we can speak about Holmes Deal. and Watson and we'll just split up and have our separate interviews in case there's any bad blood with them. <laughs> so that leaves us with just the winner, Basic Instinct 2, which as we covered in the first half, not particularly Razzie worthy. You're saying the winner should be Blood Rain. Out of the ones I've seen, I think Little Man would be entirely justified as a winner. Moving on to our next category, which is Worst Actor. And we have a personal favourite, 
Rob Schneider in the bench warmers and Little Man as bench Gus warmers. Matthews and D Rex. Okay, He's not... straight up. Right, get it either way. Mr. Yeah. Razzie has no internal consistency because sometimes you'll see actors nominated across categories, and D Rex is a cameo at best in Little mm-hmm. Man. He's in Little Man for one scene, most of which he is inside like a T Rex costume. So his face has like about 30 seconds of screen time. So really bench warmers is carrying the weight here. What do you think of bench warmers? I, I so bench warmers, I remember starting to watch it. I remember watching it. It was a double bill on sky with what's the Johnny Knoxville film where he the ringer? Um, pretends the ringer. It was the ringer and the bench warmers double bill. Um, oh, I remember watching. I watched the whole of the ring- double bill. <laughs> it was, um, it was, yeah, because it would have been like same time they would have dropped on Sky Comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I remember it vividly, and I watched the ringer all the way through. Yeah, can talk about the ringer all day. You scratched my CD. You picked it up in clear daylight, and you scratched it. Um, and then I remember the bench warmers comes on afterwards, and I think I've already made it clear. I, I really. Hates maybe this too strong word. I strongly dislike Rob Schneider. Yeah, he is my least favorite cog in the Sandlerverse. Um, <laughs> I can't stand him. And it's who? It's David Spade. Yeah, it's Spade and Schneider. But I can't think of who the other lead is. John Hader, Napoleon Dynamite. John Hader. Yeah, and it's two thousand and six. So of course, it's John Hader. <laughs> and this is what post. Blades of Glory as well. John no, Hader. this is pre Blades of Glory, isn't it? Pre. Okay, I don't know. Um, I could be wrong. I love. I love Blades of Glory. I assume he's done by 08. I could be wrong, though. And maybe Blades... Now that you're saying it, Blades of Glory is probably 07. I think it's something. 7, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he redeems himself. Yeah, it's 7. I'm happy again. Yeah, yeah um, I love Blades of Glory. But I just could not fucking stand this, and I turned it off. Because it's Schneider. So, yeah, he, I'm going to be interested to see if Hader and Spade pop up. Yeah. So, yeah, I fucking hate Rob Schneider. I don't care that he's here. He shouldn't be here for Lady Little Man, sorry. Um, fuck's sake. <laughs> it's like a tick now. Uh, yeah. Fucking. I'm going to play Schneider's advocate. I haven't seen the bench warmers in years, but like watched it with my dad. Watched it. I think I watched it with my dad and I think I was like, I love this film. I have to show this to more people. And so I think I watched it with like friends round for a birthday party or something. And I is he, is he the straight man in it as well? He's the, yeah, okay. he's kind of the reluctant like, hey, I'm forced to. He, I'm gonna. He's like the Vince Vaughn type of like, I'm gonna whip you bench warmers into shape. Is as I was remain. Wait a second. The one thing I remember is it's almost like he's the Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Them. Yeah, and he's in like the longest yard, and then they're wacky. Like David Spade is the Rob Schneider, essentially. Yeah, like he's they're a Joe the Dirt losers, role, yeah. and he's like the kind yeah. of badass. He's the drill bit Taylor who's gonna. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. I remember that, and that's why I refuse to watch it. I'm not accepting Rob Schneider as my male straight man. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> no, no. So I liked it at the time. I've heard from people who have watched it within the past fifteen years that it's aged incredibly poorly, and a lot of lot of gay jokes, lot of like problematic jokes. So I'm not going on record with my love of the bench warmers, but mentally I don't have it categorized as one of the most obnoxious Rob Schneider performances. So Fair. hard to say. Then over to you for Larry the Cable Guy in Larry oh, the Cable God. Guy Health <laughs> Inspector as Larry. I've never seen it. Um, really? I know Larry the Cable I've never seen it. Wow. I've, I've, I, can't, I can talk about fucking Blood Rain, but um, <laughs> it, I can talk about the Wicker Tree, but um, 
Lotte, Lotte, the cable guy, even as a kid, even his shtick and stand up just pissed me off. And again, I'm, I'm fucking sixteen year old Scottish kid. Like I don't, uh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, like I just, you couldn't, you couldn't. I mean, it's not a worse film. So yeah. maybe, maybe it was just his performance. His, you know, his lead self-titled role does not not up to scratch. But yeah, no comment other than. Honestly, Rob Schneider and Larry the Cable Guy is a fucking category, man. Um, <laughs> so I was perplexed by the existence of Larry the Cable Guy for so long because I was like, is he a character? Is he a man? What's his connection to the Cable Guy? <laughs> um, so yeah, I have nothing to say about Larry the Cable Guy. Next up, we have Nicolas Cage in The Wicker Man as Edward Malice. So we've kind of already covered this. Yeah. Nothing much more to say. Like it's not a good performance. He's running around screaming about things which are not bees and things which are bees. Yeah. If you're fortunate enough to watch the deleted scenes, but yeah, yeah, not for me. I mean, yeah, I like Nicolas Cage more than you, but yeah, I think even a Cage head wouldn't argue this is one of his better performances. So yeah. Well deserved, and listen to our uh, 2007 episode where we discuss Ghost Rider. If you want to hear us speaking about Nicolas Cage screaming and catching fire, (laughs) (laughs) another film. Okay, next up we have uh, someone near and dear to your heart, Tim Allen in the Santa Claus Three, the Escape Clause, the Shaggy Dog, and Zoom as Santa Claus slash Scott Calvin, Dave Douglas slash the Shaggy Dog, and Jack Shepard slash Captain Zoom, respectively. Right. I, I don't know what the fuck Zoom and the Shaggy Dog are. Have you not I don't seen... Fuck. You must have seen Shaggy Dog at Asda. It's the kid's movie where he gets transformed I, I, into the I, dog. Yeah, the dog. Kind of, I, like, I'm aware of it. It has the Manimal poster of he's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, but, like, never seen it. So, okay. like, um, but Zoom, Zoom, I thought, was a fucking kid's film, animated film, too, and it's probably not. Are you getting confused um, with Bolt, the Miley Cyrus yeah, dog? Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which would have been about this time. Exactly. Yeah. Shaggy Dog, yeah. Bolt, it's all merged together. <laughs> However, I can't talk about the Santa Claus 3, because it's come up before. Um, it was on a fucking loop in our workplace. Yes. Um, it could technically go down as my most seen film of all time. Um, of all fucking time. Um, Martin Short is burned into my brain as Jack Frost. Um, this film, again, I think we talked about it because I, I did get a little confused as when was the Tim Allen clones in which one was that? That's two where I, he leaves the North Pole two. to find a wife and they replace and him gets, with a weird yeah. plastic facsimile and yeah. it goes crazy. So that, that did get a bit looped in. Yeah, strange. It's about fucking time this came off, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, We've got, you know, like as much as I can joke about Tim Allen, I, I like do vivid, he does not give a fuck. Yeah. Um by the third one. He wants out. This is that this is <laughs> This is his escape in. clause. Yeah. This is my escape clause. Um so you know, because the first one is a bit of a little Christmas classic to me. It's you know, we've got a lot of nostalgia and time for the first one. The second one's shit but i remember it yeah the third one is you know it's diminishing returns yeah at this point. the magic of christmas is all but gone and we're just watching all but gone yeah um <laughs> if it wasn't if it wasn't for martin short's like manic strangeness in this film um you this would be a fucking hard watch yeah. but yeah that's i mean 
yeah, he's here. I think that's a that's a hell of a fucking category. It's a strong year this year for worst actors, which I like to see. These are probably all actual Razzie contenders, so I, I will give it that. I mean, maybe Rob Schneider is a bit harsh, but um, yeah. fuck him, get him in there. Um, at least it's not Thulis or anything. <laughs> yeah, these are actual deserved performances, so fair play. Okay, so I have seen The Shaggy Dog potentially in theatres with my parents. Shaggy Dog... Um, <laughs> Beyond the terrifying, like, Uncanny Valley poster where you have Tim Allen's face photoshopped onto a dog, which is kind of generic, like, family movie, Shaggy Dog notable because it would be my introduction to both one Robert Downey Jr. and Philip Baker Hall. Philip Baker Hall. Soon to become two of my, like, favourite screen icons when we get into Paul Thomas Anderson and, like, Iron Man, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was about to go through like a massive Robert Downey Jr. phase, but I was introduced mm-hmm. to him thanks to the Shaggy Dog. So when, yeah. when Tony Stark burst onto the screens a year later, I was like, cool, it's the villain from the Shaggy Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Two years later. That's great. That's, that's your Kyle MacLachlan move. Oh, it's the boy from the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, exactly, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah well, that's great. That's fantastic. And then Zoom... I've definitely, I've 100% seen Zoom, but I think I got Zoom confused with, I think I've combined that with Sky High, because they're both okay, like, I remember, yeah. like the subtitle for Zoom is Zoom Academy for Superheroes. I would have said that Sky High, or yeah. uh, a Rodriguez yeah, yeah. straight, yeah, one of his. Because we mentioned okay, Kurt Russell from Sky High in the first half. So it must have been random. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And then Tim Allen, because I was stuck in your head. The reason I was like, like, I don't remember Tim Allen. I was like, oh, I've seen the Kurt Russell one for sure. And I was like, and Kate Mara is in it. And then I was like, no, 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 hang on. Wait, Kate Mara is in Zoom. Razzie nominee Kate Mara. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm getting confused with Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Kate Mara. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in Sky High and Kate Mara is in Zoom, which means I have seen the, both of them. What year is Sky High? Is it? Is it um, 06? It might be a little earlier. I'll just look it up for you. I want it to be my Aunt's Bugs Life thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which I get to bring up Aunt's for the second time in this episode. It, so was, was, great. it was 2005, um, so potentially... Ooh. But with UK release, we might have looked at something where, like, if Sky High mm-hmm. came out, and yeah, it Kurt, been, Kurt Russell been... shot first, though. That's all that matters <laughs> to me. <laughs> okay, and then we have the winner, which some new Razzie bullshit here from Mr. Razzie. Marlon Wayans and Sean Wayans in Little Man as Calvin Sims and Daryl Edwards. So, so, how are you going to give. Worst actor to two separate people. Right? It doesn't say slash. Like it doesn't have anything that suggests oh, it so would like, be like a tie. It's yeah, yeah. It's they've done that before, haven't they? Like, yeah, yeah. If where it's you slash, get two awards, it's like yeah, joint, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We can't yeah, split yeah. you. But the fact that he says and makes it almost like it's like a stuck on yeah. you situation where they both have to. <laughs> <laughs> they have to, so they would get one Razzie between them for when I hunt, when I hunt it out to give it out to them. Um, <laughs> they're only going to get one. Uh, yeah, that's bullshit. You can't do that. They're not the same person, yeah. Mr. Razzie. <laughs> <laughs> can't tell his wanes apart and he's <laughs> fucking stupid. Yeah, I guess you're going to say it's well-deserved. I'd assume the one that is the baby is worse. 
Yeah, Marlon's worse for sure. Marlon's worse, but he's also better in that he has those weird cartoonish expressions. And so he does yeah. more stuff that works, but he's also at the center of most of the crashing and failing. Whereas Sean Wayne's yeah. just kind of playing the straight man. So a limit to how bad you can be. What what should have happened was the Mr. Razzie is being very problematic here in that he is erasing the lived experience of Lyndon Porco and Gabrielle Pimentel because that Razzie should be shared between not two but three and it should be Marlon Wayans yeah. and the two actors who physically portrayed the little man. All four people won <laughs> one award or shared it out. <laughs> yeah, so um that's that's my pitch. That's fine. But yeah, yeah. The the, the Razzie going to someone from the little man is probably the right call in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Moving on to worst actress, we have Jessica Simpson in Employee of the Month as Amy Renfro. Oh, yeah. Have you seen? I, I've Employee seen. I of have the seen month? this. That's got that hot comedian. What's his name? Dane it? Cook. Um, no, 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 no. The guy um, who played other, Pedro other... from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, the other one. Um, what's his name? Andy Dick. It's not Dane Cook. No, no, he's da- literally a lead. Dak Shepard. Dak Shepard, that's the one. Um, I, wait, I just no, want to remember hack. this moment forever where you say the hat comedian, I say Andy Dick, and you say no. No, I said the other one, not Dinku, not Andy Dick, the other one. Um, three hacks in a row. Yeah, Dak Shepard's the one, because I'm, I'm thinking of his face. He's got, the, he's got the most memorable face of the three. I'm not saying something to Andy Dick. Uh, yeah, I have seen this. I had this on DVD for some fucking reason. Yeah. It, it, isn't right so i thought it was going to be like clerks maybe i guess is the best example um you know you're holding up uh, clerks as the high bar here (laughs) compared to employee of the month i absolutely am um but it's sort of like more of a a slack off kind of yeah if it was done 10 years earlier let's use richard linklater as the high bar yeah 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 yeah. no 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 um because yeah so it sucks um jessica sucks in it i mean all three of them i actually like docs and dane should have been a worst actor yeah as well like at least a nod they kind of got robbed here but she is pretty wooden it is her role like she is just i mean i mean i could be wrong like i could this could be something i've just made up in my head but i'm pretty sure she's like the only female in the film (laughs) Um, like I, I absolutely like I have some weird recollection that she's literally the only fucking. And this might isn't acknowledged. Like, they're not doing like a why the no, last no, man. No, of, like no, she's the no, only woman no, who no. exists in the world. She, she absolutely. It's it's just one of these very you know it's almost six now we're in american pie knockoff territory okay just looking at the cast list on wikipedia Barbara Dodd as Granny. Otherwise, that's the only potential. That's that's. Dax's or Dane, I think it's Dane's granny or some yeah. shit. Like, there you go. And I can remember, I can see, okay, I can remember that now, but I do just be like, what? what? So they've got a grocery like, store um, that's staffed exclusively by men. men <laughs> by hot comedians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Jessica deserves, she deserves a nod here, so... Okay, I, I 100% understand that one. It's just funny to me that it features pedro sanchez from napoleon dynamite so we've had john mm-hmm. Peter in the bench warmers and now we have pedro sanchez or to give him his actual name efren ramirez so this is just like the dying of the light for people capitalizing yeah. on the momentum from napoleon 100 moving on we have christana Lokin in blood rain as rain and um, like honestly 
I'm going to say no. Um, I kind of covered it before when I talked about Blood Rain. Yeah. She, she isn't a great archer. She's not good in things like <laughs> plan Terminator and stuff, right? But like, you know, it, I prefer her to like Mila Jovanovic. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think she's that bad. She's probably one of the best parts of Blood Rain because it's what's her fucking name. American Pie Girl in Alone in the Dark. Plastic Surgery now. I don't know. Christian Slater. Uh, look up for me. She's terrible. She's fucking dreadful. So, like, she's better than her. Oh, fuck, I not Not Alison Hannigan. Yeah, um, that's the only one. I knew it wasn't her, but... Um, oh, hold on. I'm going to have to look up. Tara Reid. Tara fucking Reid, yeah. See, Tara Reid and Christian Slater carrying a film is fucking <laughs> awful. No, I, I'm gonna give it to like, well, and she's working with good people as well. Like, she's she's all right as a vampire. Like, uh, yeah, like it's a Terminator effect. I like her in Terminator Three. She's no Robert Patrick, which is <laughs> fine for the role. Um, no Robert yeah, Patrick, no, but gonna... better than Sam Worthington. Yeah, she's better than Jessica Simpson. Yeah, that's for sure. Next up, we have Lindsay Lohan in Just My Luck as Ashley Albright. I've not seen Just My Luck. Um, I've, I've, I'm on the Lindsay Lohan hate train resurgence. Yeah, yeah, no, no, oh, yeah, on the oh. after, well, after, um, after her winning me over for this podcast. Okay, okay, that's good. She, she can, she can't. Leave me. Yeah, no, she's turned me around. I was that. worried that, that good... I was gonna have to go to the mattresses for Lindsay Lohan because no, I... no, I've, I've changed my like that. That I can always go back to that. Who's successfully um, changed she's... the heart of a man here? Yeah, yeah. What does it take to change the essence of a man? Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Seagal. It was Seagal for me. It's Lindsay Lohan for you. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I so I don't know. I, I assume trust my luck's like a teen rom com though. That's almost like Lohan. It's wild. Yeah. Like I watched it for this, okay. and it was so fun. Like so, it's basically like it follows. It's like sexually transmitted <laughs> luck of Lindsay Lohan has the best luck in the world and Chris Pine has the worst luck in the world. Chris Pine. And okay. they kiss at a party and her life turns to shit and everything just starts going great for him. It's a McFly vehicle as well. Because Chris Pine works in a bowling alley and he's trying to get McFly signed. Okay. And so it's like, bad news, boys, if it doesn't work out, you're going to have to go back home to the UK. They're going to deport you because you're just like the house <laughs> band of this bowling alley. And so they kiss and things start going well for Pine and they start going badly for old Lilo. And so she is like, because she doesn't know it's like, she doesn't know who it is. She kisses like a random mask dancer at a ball. And she has to track down like all of the potential, like all of the potential guys and she has their like headshots and acting CVs and goes on a tour around New York City, like assaulting all these men who could potentially be. And like, it's just, it's really, it's really interesting. I had so many questions due to the like, it follows premise of I was like, can Chris Pine, like, does, does the luck only transfer between those two? Because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, at the end, obviously they're going to get together. And I was like, maybe they're going to sort of alternate of they'll make sure like they'll kiss each other goodbye in the morning and it'll be like oh like this is your day with good luck this is my day with bad luck or it might be like hey i've got like a big presentation today do you mind if i yeah sure honey whatever i thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be that and i was like and then what happens if like he cheats on her because he then transfers the luck to like someone else and it's just like just my luck too where they have to track dead where this luck has gone off to 
but just my yeah, luck okay. insane insane premise and pretty fun as far as these like high yeah. premise teen and comedies go this is pre-star trek pine so um, he must have <laughs> been got okay him the role. <laughs> it's got him the role yeah he did all right after it and he's escaped a nomination so i assume he's fantastic yeah he's great this is the only nomination and this is like pre i know who killed me so I think it's Mr. Yeah. Razzie just hating ex-child star Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Because she's, fair, she's fair, decent fair, enough. Fair. I would think she would be, yeah. yeah. Charisma to burn. And then we have Hilary Duff and Haley Duff in Material Girls as Tansy and Ava Marchetta. No, yeah, no, no, fuck, no comment. You're gonna. I, did you watch it for this? I did not. Um, um, apparently it's <laughs> loosely based on Sense and Sensibility, but... No comment. Yeah, I've seen Hil- Hilary Duff in Cheaper by the Dozen, but I think that's probably yeah. it. Yeah, no. I'm guessing this is Mr. Rousey just hating things that aren't made for him again, probably. Yeah, yeah. again, these films won't pop up anywhere else. She's worst actress problem. Yeah. She's worst supporting. <laughs> yeah. problem with women. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, again. Um, these women and their uneven mm. breasts. How dare they? <laughs> How dare they? These Stacys would never consider getting with an involuntary <laughs> celibate like me. So, we're supporting actor. <sighs> David Thewlis in Basic Instinct 2 and The Omen as Roy Washburn and Keith oh, Jennings. So that, uh, you were saying there's going to be... I was wondering what the follow-up uh, nomination were. Yeah. I'm sh- right, so I have seen The Omen remake. I knew you would have. Um, <laughs> of course I have. It is not bad. Yeah. It's, you've, you've seen it? No. Uh, no. Have you seen the original? No. Or they okay, okay. Um, <laughs> like, so, like, you know, we're in the mid 2000s, so all my horror classics are being regurgitated and spat out in reboots and remakes. We've got literally every franchise has probably been touched at this point, um, inappropriately <laughs> by Hollywood. They're just looking at, like, oh, can we do a remake of The Tingler? Well, I mean, even going on it, like, The Wicker Man is the same fucking year, yeah, so, true. like, it, it, it's, it's an unnecessary. The Omen original hasn't aged fantastically for me yeah. I, I never hold up like the exorcists and stuff that i go on about the remake is very mediocre yeah it is not bad it is not good i don't remember thulis in it yeah. i'd have to rewatch it but it's definitely one of those middling oh yeah it happened you know like the like the nightmare on elm street sequels a bit later yeah uh, reboots later but it's the exact same feeling i had right yeah it it's what i expected it's the same thing again but done in 2006 <laughs> um, yeah what more can you say he doesn't deserve anyway for anything it's not a terrible film it's not going to pop up again this is just a double down on him for some fucking reason because <laughs> he's fantastic he is great in basic instinct too he's a great actor yeah fuck him now fuck mr razzy yeah seconded think he's great i just want to float a potential patient zero for the horror remix is it's everyone looking at Gus Van Sant and his remake of Psycho and being like, oh, that was a pretty good, pretty successful. I think, uh, what if we uh, well, just like, add the scene of uh, every horror villain jacking off? Wouldn't that be? Uh... <laughs> I think I, I I don't think Van Sant's to blame because there's definitely like a there's still sequels happening in the early 2000s. Oh yeah, for sure. It's we, definitely not. We still got it's definitely not H two O's. I think I'm thinking like the hills have eyes. Yeah, uh, might be one of the ones where, okay, this is actually feasible for us to do reboots, especially the cheaper ones. But yeah, like no, no, no way. Next one, Martin Short in the Santa Claus Three: The Escape Clause as Jack Frost. Inevitable, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I, I, I 
Oh, like I'm gonna say no, just because I wouldn't watch this film if yeah. it wasn't for Martin Short. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a Mar- I am a Martin Short fan. Yeah, there's like there's something about his energy that I just I'm envious of. Have you seen Jiminy um, Glick? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay, okay, um, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, you know, I know Jim Nicklick from his SCTV Of course you would. Sorry, through. I'm sorry to um, doubt your Jim Nicklick yeah, credentials. Yeah, yeah. I only, Season 10 SNL. Harry just introduced you know, me to like, Jim Nicklick, so I'm, no, I'm a recent no, convert no, to Jim Nicklick. No, no, no. Uh, he, he does reprise it on SNL as well, yeah. Season 10. I, I, and then he carries all the way through to his feature film. It's his, his baby. Yeah. I just like Martin Short. I, I, I just think he's, like I said, I'm envious of his energy. I wish I... I wish I could wake up in the morning and have like a tenth of his fucking vitality for life. Um, for, for like, you know, because if I was on this Santa Claus 3, I'd be oh, miserable. Man, yeah. I would be, I would be. You'd have an onset therapist just getting you I, each I, day. I would, I would be fucking Alec Guinness or yeah. Harrison Ford. I'm sitting smoking down. Smoking your way we're, through. <laughs> smoking. I'm wearing my pajamas. Um, <laughs> No, no light and no makeup. Just fucking do it. Uh, <laughs> one take. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I appreciate him for this. It's the only reason to watch. He carries it in terms yeah. of like I'm gonna watch it. And yeah, it isn't good, but it is the Santa Claus three. And yeah. no, fuck it. Like too, too strong nose for me to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No. Seconded. Really. Canadian national treasure. He's not not deserved for this. Then we have Ben Kingsley in Blood Rain as Kagan. Again, um, yeah, I covered that. Ben, ben, Ben's not good, but he's directed by Uwe Boll. He's a fantastic actor. Yeah. He probably is like unfortunate not to be chewing through the scenery, mm. from what I remember. I'm not saying he's given a nuanced Gandhi performance here, but like if he was hamming it up a lot more, he could probably be more fun. I remember him though, and that's a really good sign. I can picture him in the film. I can, I've seen, I can go through things in my head and stuff. So again, no, three out of three, no, a big no for me. It's kind of what we said about Basic Instinct, is there are just these sort of like British thespian types, like David Thewlis, Ben Kingsley, where they're just kind of good no matter, like they have a baseline where they never really drop below. It it is pyramid to say it as well, but Michael Madsen is probably more of a deserving norm, unless he's next up on the fucking list. He is not. He's Okay. Um, Yeah, he would have been more deserving. Because this is 2006, Michael Madsen, where <laughs> he's me. He's me. I'm not. I'm not fucking doing anything, mate. I'm gonna sit down. <laughs> he's on the phone to Quentin, and be like, "Are you sure there's not a part for me?" <laughs> so next up, we have Mr. Daniel DeVito in Deck the Halls as Buddy Hall. Oh, I like it. Thank Beetlejuice, you know, um, <laughs> he's appeared. I, oh fuck, I have seen Dak Falls. Um, that's with Ferris Bueller. Yeah, um, so interestingly, Matthew Broderick isn't nominated, which I think yeah. he's probably more of a target than... 100%. DeVito. Danny DeVito's the only reason to watch fucking Dak Falls. Exactly, um, yeah. Meanwhile, Mr. 100%. Mr. Razzie's saying that what? Manslaughter is okay? I don't give a shit. Manslaughter? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, Broderick, Broderick, it's again, it's 06, so any of that boyish charm's long gone for Broderick. He can't, he can't get away, can't keep getting away with it. Um, <laughs> no, that, this is a, this is another one strong though. I have seen Dag the Hall, so, um, seen it a few times. I, I it's that, it, it's a trope now as well with the, you, you know, you think of like Christmas vacation and stuff with the yeah, neighbours and yeah. the, some of the scenes probably it is Christmas vacation I'm remembering a little bit in Pete Laces, but yeah, yeah no, DeVito's the only reason to watch it. 
It's funny with Tim Allen because I kind of get it confused with Christmas with the Cranks a little bit. But... Yeah, which has been similar timeline. Yeah, as well. very similar. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, like I don't... if Danny DeVito is bad in your film, I kind of feel it's almost your fault. Like I fe- almost feel 100%. you might have miscast 100%. him because yeah. He he does like he does quite a range of things quite well. If you can't make use yeah. of any, if you can't make use of Frank Reynolds or the Penguin or the Lorax, then or Matilda's dad, then like something's gone wrong. With well, I mean, yeah, I've loved Devito all my life. Like you're saying, the the, the range he can go from, like yeah. on there from the Penguin, I I go for like Louis from Taxes, how I first. Obviously, know him and love him. To Frank Reynolds, to everything, to Junior, to twins, to that guy in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. <laughs> to, to One Flew, like yeah. he's a fantastic actor. He's great. Um, yeah. And we're talking. This is a bang, bang, bang of people I really admire and appreciate as well. Like, this is <laughs> it's a, your this ideal is dinner party. Is Martin Short, Danny DeVito, Ma- Ben Kingsley, If Malcolm McDowell wins this fucking award, then I am in a cool house. You know. Uh, well, yeah, no, it's a big no for me. One person who I think you might want to uninvite is the winner, M. Night Shyamalan in Lady <laughs> in the Water as Vic Ran. Yeah, hey, he's deserved. Yeah, um, he's not a good. He is not a good actor. Yeah, okay, you know, um, all the norms, no, but this is a big. Yeah, this, this is what I remember about late, uh, Lady Loma, Lady in the Water. Um, <laughs> He is his performance because he sucks. You know, he sucks in signs. He sucks in everything. Yeah, but he he reefer in other things. Yeah, he, he basically it's like as soon as he as soon as he so, so like years ago when I dated a stand up comedian, watched her a bunch of times at this like comedy night in Glasgow, and there was a guy who like he ran the night and he was the compare and he was like so toxic like he was. Like the the acts would sort of build the enthusiasm up in the room, and then he would just get on and suck every last bit of hype out until the room was completely dead. And then you'd be like, "And then your next act," and hand it over to them. Um, he's just <laughs> terrible at killing the audience. And M Night is a little bit like that, where you know he's going to appear in his films, and as soon as he does, it starts a timer because it's sort of like depleting the goodwill that may have been built up by the, what he's been mm-hmm. doing behind the camera of like, okay, I know you want to be in this, but get this man off the screen as soon as humanly possible. Like, in Knock at the Cabin, he plays like a, like a shopping channel salesman, and I'm like, good, good, that's exactly the level of part you should yep. be kept to. Yep is your Alfred Hitchcock, essentially. You're not, like, hanging out and delivering dialogue a pivotal part in the movie because he is an mm-hmm. atrocious actor. 100%. Yep, 100%. Well-deserved. So, we're supporting actress. We have Michelle Rodriguez in Blood Rain as Katari. I forgot Michelle. Okay, there there was someone I was like... I've, I knew the cast was good. I knew I liked a lot of the cast, and it's probably the reason I... I Wish Blood Rain was better. It's probably why I remember it. Um, I am a Michelle Rodriguez fan. I'm like unapologetically. I think you know everything from you know the fast films, which aren't my favorites, to the Machete films, to anything she does. I Avatar, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I I like Michelle Rodriguez. I forgot her though, so that's not a good sign. Despite liking her, and Blood Rain is easy to pick up because you're directed by Lee Bull. Yeah. So um. Yeah, uh, yeah. It sucks to say that maybe it's deserved, but um, 
yeah, I still like her. And then we have Jenny McCarthy, our returning favourite in returning. John Tucker Must Die as Laurie Spencer. Which I which I've seen. You've seen John Tucker Must Die? I have not. I I watched it. I seen it once. Didn't I see it in the cinema? I can't remember if it was like a DVD on a date or like a cinema date. Like I remember the premise. I don't remember Jenny McCarthy in it. I assume from what I remember, which is very little of her, she hasn't improved since Dirty Love. You know, she she peaked with basketball, and that's like '96. <laughs> it's ten years ago. She's probably well deserved. And though it hasn't popped up again, John Tucker must die. So Mr. Razzie's not seen it, and he's just trying to cash in some previous chips from Dirty Love. <laughs> So next up, we have Kristen Chenoweth in Deck the Halls, The Pink Panther, and RV as Tia Hall, Cherie, and Mary Jo Gornicki, respectively. I've seen, I haven't seen... What the fuck's RV? I've never heard of that. <laughs> RV um, is the movie about an RV starring oh, Robin Williams it. and Jeff Daniels. Uh, could have just made that up for all I know. I, ha- I have seen The Pink Panther reboot. Yeah, we've spoken um, about that on we've spoken previous about episodes. This. I, I, I don't I don't remember her. I don't recognise her name. You'll know her. She's like a big musical theatre woman. I know okay. her primarily as Pushing Daisies. She's in Pushing Daisies. Okay, okay. And I, I just want to flag up. So Tia Hall, I think she's Danny DeVito's wife, which problematic age gap, ahoy. I think oh, there's okay. about like 25 years in between them. <laughs> So maybe that's why Mr. Razzie's nominated them, because he's like, I don't stand for any of this kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, she's one of those people that like, is probably not dissimilar to Danny DeVito in like, she does like a quite broad range of things quite well. That If she's mm-hmm. bad, it's probably because you don't know how to use her. Of she's mm-hmm. like good at being that sort of like very on kind of annoying musical theater presence. Okay. And so yeah, I don't know. Maybe Mr. Razzie's problems with women, him just wanting to pad out the list, and he's like, who's been in a bunch of movies I didn't like? Because next up we have Kate Bosworth in Superman Returns as Ooh. Lois Lane. Oh, Superman Returns. You've seen Superman Returns, haven't you? So I haven't seen it in a bunch of years, but I am, of course, a fan of Brian Singer and everything he does and stands for, and Kevin Spacey <laughs> while we're at it. I yes, loved yes. Superman Returns. That was yeah, the first um, Superman movie I saw, like pre-Reeves or anything. So okay. I, I'd really like that film. Okay. It's inspirational to kids with asthma that you too might be related <laughs> to the Man of Steel. I went to see it in the cinema. Yeah. I vividly remember the scene in the cinema. Yeah. I am a Reeves generation. I, yeah. It's one to four. <laughs> I'm a Reeves generation, it. says man born in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> no, as in I, I grew up with them. Yeah, yeah, um, I know what you mean. I know. I, all four of them. I'm and a Dean Cain man myself. I grew up with Dean Cain. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought he might have been my first Superman, Dean Cain. Yeah, he's um, mine. <laughs> Four definitely, I watched yeah. Channel 5 <laughs> any day of the week. I went into this, I think, you know, assuming it was Superman 5. Yeah. Which kind of, continuity-wise, yeah. is kind of... I don't hate Kate Bosworth in it. Yeah. You know my feelings on Man of Steel and yeah. Amy Adams. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, maybe maybe it's retrospectively, I'm thinking kind of. I haven't seen it since the cinema, to be fair. Yeah. But I, I loved it, and it does not stick out in my brain in any negative way. Yeah. So I'm a big no for me. Um, Love Superman fucking Returns. It's a... It's a forgotten gem. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it, again, it's it's what we've pointed out countless times in the past. These movies that crop up solely so you can nominate like female actors, like yeah. Well, that's it. It's, it's stupid. I, I would say as well. He's probably my favorite Superman. Who's that guy? What's his name? Uh, um, Brandon Routh. Routh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember the name, but he's probably my favorite Superman um, performance, other than maybe Reeves. I I really really yeah, like. Yeah, I him. think he's great. Um, yeah, it's a shame that really they didn't really serve as much of a launch pad for anything no 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 in this and scott pilgrim in pretty much the only two things i've ever seen him in he's great mm-hmm. but i'm glad he didn't pop up yeah but yeah like again mr razi just good to pick on yeah get fucked and the winner carmen electra in date movie and scary movie four as anne and holly respectively so a truly bleak year that they were able to sneak two of these fucking things out in one year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The date I've seen date movie. I've seen epic movie. I think I've seen one of the other ones. Superhero movie. No, no I'm just, I don't. I don't. I, I can't fucking remember. I've definitely seen date and epic movie. Yeah, not um, the one I with the uh, convicted pedophile Drake bell <laughs> oh, um, alleged convicted pedophile alleged convicted, <laughs> allegedly convicted <laughs> yeah i fucking hate them i don't think i've seen scary movie four i think i've just seen the first three yeah i've definitely seen the first three i don't think i've seen four i don't remember it a carmen electra is terrible i mean we've caught this carmen and it's um dirty love McCart. yeah it's carmen and mccarthy again popping up yeah. again, a reunion <laughs> yeah yeah i i i I mean, she's not a good actress. That's fair. That's fine. Whatever. They're terrible movies. They should be nominated and put throughout this. So Mr. Razi should have fucking watched these so you could nominate other people and put them in worst films and stuff yeah. because these are fucking bad. These are bad, bad like artifacts from the mid-2000s. Like, Well, when he chooses things like Corona Zombies and whatever in the pandemic and we're like, okay, yeah, whatever, fish in a barrel. But like, yeah, the date movies, like if you're going to... Awesome. It, I mean, it's good for us that none of them ever won. Oh, like, that fuck, yeah. If you're nominating them, then it kind of, like, you open yourself up to, like, why is this not appearing elsewhere? Yeah, 100%. So, we're screen couple. We have Sharon Stone's Lopsided Breasts in Basic Instinct 2. Kind of cover that in the first half. Mm-hmm. Hillary and Haley Duff in Material Girls. Not seen it or anything they have done together, so no comment. Nicholas Cage and his bear suit in The Wicker Man. So already scraping the bottom of the barrel with mm-hmm. person and clothes they wear. Mm-hmm. You couldn't be like Nicholas Cage and the bees in The Wicker Man director's cut. <laughs> 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 uh, Tim Allen and Martin Short in The Escape Clause, in the Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. Eh, not much of a couple, I would say. No, not at all. <laughs> Imagine how good a film it would be if they were a couple. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, um, <laughs> divorce Clause, yeah. I would like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried that my husband doesn't seem invested in our civil partnership. Like, it would be, I don't know what the... I don't know how progressive a, Lapland was. I don't know. Marriage, I, I would be, but, <laughs> he's, my 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 husband's a bit distant. He's cold hearted. He's, he's Jack Frost. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I, it's I, the I, opposite of Martin Short is the one that's full of energy and enthusiasm, yeah. and Tim Allen's just like I would rather be in <laughs> anywhere else. <laughs> okay, and then the winner: Sean Wayans and either Kerry Washington or Marlon Wayans in Little Man. So make your fucking mind. If you've nominated them both for worst actor, 
It kind of has to be them. Like, it's them. Yeah. It's them. It's them. It's, it's not them. like either <laughs> Kerry Washington <laughs> or... I'm like... And that's good, because I don't want Kerry Washington winning a Razzie, so I'm going to just, in my head, retcon this to be the Wayne's game for, them, for their... They can have a Razzie each now. And I like that. <laughs> 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 that's how I'll dole out the awards. Now who I'm just realising is a bullet dodged, because he's an actual, a, an actual couple... Tracy Morgan is the little man's sidekick. He like facilitates. Mm-hmm. He's like the yeah. He's like the sidekick who does the robbery with them. So it it, it it should have been them. But yeah, can't trust Mr. Razzie to know what a couple is. Loveless incel, Mr. Razzie. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have worst remake or ripoff. Nice. The Wicker Man goes without saying the shaggy dog mm-hmm. was a remake of a 60s tv show 60s sitcom i think or maybe no i think it was one of those classic disney movies that's what it, it sounds it, yeah it does sound like a classic disney movie yeah when they're live action 60s 70s it's not walter Matto, but it's someone yeah it, I, it, I can i can imagine it I can, it's someone like you can that. ai generate it and i believe it i um, think i might have seen like the original one like on vhs or something i think my mom was mm-hmm. like one of those like you've got to watch this Mm-hmm. Fred McMurray was the original Shaggy Dog. Okay. Poseidon, completely forgot Ooh. about that. Big yeah, year yeah. for Kurt uh, Russell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck. Yeah, I've got, I fucking took surprise. He hasn't watched it, so that's why it's <laughs> popped up here. Because we know how much he hates. Like he he made an award for the guy who did the original Poseidon Adventure, so mm-hmm, you'd mm-hmm. think he'd be all over that. Then we have the Pink Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then kind of goes out soon. And then the winner. Little Man ripoff of the nineteen fifty four Bugs Bunny cartoon Baby Buggy Bunny. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> does Bugs Bunny commit crimes to Tracy Morgan? Does he? Um, fuck off. No, it's the one you know where the, the there's the gangster Babyface Finster who's like one of those like he's tiny, has like a big hat, mm-hmm. and he's like, hey, yeah, like, mm-hmm. yeah, he fuck goes off, undercover though. as a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fuck way off. more tenuous. As we've said, it's really a ripoff of the Bad Santa franchise. Yeah, so. yep, yep, yep. Then it's weird. So ordinarily, these would be condensed, I think, because we have the category worst prequel or sequel, and so. We have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. Massacre, um, okay, nice. We're getting back into my land. I, I, I have to be honest as well. I have seen every Texas. I've said that before. Yeah. The first two are my two of my favorite films for different reasons. I've said many times. The beginning is the prequel, and I'm gonna not lie. I have completely replaced it in my brain with Texas Chainsaw 3D. Yeah. Which is the prequel sequel to the first film, the direct prequel mm-hmm. to the first film. And then I've also replaced it with Leatherface, yeah. which is the prequel to Texas Chainsaw 3D, which is the prequel to the Texas Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. So there's too many fucking prequels. And I totally forgot in the beginning. It's the one that is not sticking out in my brain. Mr. Razzie hasn't seen it, which is nice. Because yeah. It's not popped up anywhere else. So, yeah, it's uh, strangely enough, it's probably the only Texas Chainsaw I have no comment for. Um, <laughs> I was I've just, I just, I've told, like, because there's two, two prequels after, you know, like, you shouldn't do this to me. You shouldn't just give me this over and over and over again in different yeah. ways. Again, it's why I love Texas Chainsaw 2 so much and why it's one of my most beloved, like, sequels. 
doing something different, I, I just replaced it in my brain. And again, it's 2006. Like I was saying with The Omen, there's too many safe, bland remakes yeah. that don't go crazy enough one way or the other. Yeah. Then we have the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause. Kind of said all we have to say on that. Te- technically the worst of the trilogy, so... <laughs> Then we have Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. Um, it's the Prince and the Pauper one, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you love the... I mean, as you know, when you say worst sequel, it's implying that the first one was really good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I have seen it. I, I don't... I remember the first one a lot better than the second one. Yeah. So I don't have too much of a comment, but again, it's random just to pop up here. Whatever. So I was in the vicinity of this being on the background a little while back and refreshed my memory not having seen it since it came out and got Billy Conley in it and a truly weird voice cast. So we had Tim Curry played Garfield's twin, the like, yeah, the, the man in the iron mask version of Garfield and Bob Hoskins is in it, Risa Fance is in it, Vinnie Jones is in it, Joe Pasquale is in it. Richard E. Grant is in it. Sharon Osbourne Jesus. is in it. <laughs> a very, I mean, it's the London pop. It's, it's a very basic instinct to cast. There. It's very London based, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Good year for uh, very, UK cinema. <laughs> yeah. Is, I don't know why I'm asking, Jennifer Love Hewitt returned for the sequel? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. I, 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 I'm with, just like, if it's gone so British, I assume not. Along with part half, part point five of a Razzie winner, Brecken Meyer. So okay. <laughs> yeah. everyone's back. So it's kind of perplexing that Garfield hasn't cropped up earlier. This mm-hmm. is going to be a, a, an even larger elephant in the room, pun intended. Big Mama's House 2? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have seen Big Mama's House 2. No, um, of course I fucking have. Yeah. Um, I am... Um, I, I do not like it. I, I don't hate the first one. The first one's shit. Obviously, it's shit. But, like, when you're a pre-adolescent, you know, 13-year-old boy or whatever, it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those, ha, 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 you know, Martin Lawrence is dressed up in a fat yeah. suit as a lady. Like, Wouldn't it be um, crazy if my mom was that big? It's, wow. It, it's, Mrs., it's Mrs. Doubtfire for the Martin Lawrence audience. You know? <laughs> it's Mrs. Doubtfire I, I for morons. When, Yes, and I, I was a moron, so I, I get it. Um, the second one is really bad, really fucking bad. And again, even as a stupid moron teenager, I realised that. I have seen the third one, and that's even worse. Wow, I that's thought the third we... one came out in your in your period where you were like, I'm better than yeah, this, I'm not good at yeah, I too was, sure. <laughs> I was, um, that's the one where his son... Um, I I remember it though I do remember it Um, it's stuck in there Um, Texas Chainsaw the beginning's been erased the big mama's house lives rent free Uh, big mama's legacy (laughs) um, yeah I'm going to bring it back Um, yeah like but very much strange it's just popped up here yeah again technically a much worse sequel so okay fair enough it's a Garfield thing I'm not going to defend it and then, of course, the winner is Basic Instinct 2. So you kind of have your hands tied. If, if it's one worst picture, it probably needs to win the, yeah, the category it's nominated yeah, in. But yeah, it's a more safe choice than a lot of these other ones. Yeah. Worst director, Keaton Ivory Wayne's for Little Man. Entirely deserved. Little Man is terrible and just fundamentally flawed. You would think like, yeah, no, sorry. 
sorry, Marlin, the technology isn't yet there to match your vision mm-hmm. of a, a man being this little. Maybe come back in a couple of years where we can do this without you looking like an abomination unto the Lord. <laughs> So, yeah, he's kind of deserved for just pursuing the movie down mm-hmm. from that point. Ron Howard for The Da Vinci Code. Okay. Weird well, late appearance, very late in the very, day. <laughs> very late appearance. Yeah, no. I, why? Yeah. I, 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 I've, I've seen Da Vinci Code. It's, it's yeah. fine for what it was. Yeah, yeah. Like, what? why? I don't get any reason why... Ron Howard has been... I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard, I, I don't understand. Like, um, Ron, her, her dancer, you know, I, fine. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. I have no, no complaints about it at all. It's just your classic thing of he clearly watched The Da Vinci Code and was like, this is completely fine, except the camera. That's just in yeah. the wrong position. There's something not quite right here. <laughs> because, yeah, like I know lots of people hate the Dan Brown adaptations. And if you hate them, you kind of need to commit to not liking them oh, more yeah, than yeah. just the director. But anyway, well, that's exactly it. Who am I and you're to gonna tell? tell you're going to fucking tell me that like it's a worse directed film than Garfield 2 or yeah, Santa Claus yeah. 3 or some shit. Like, fuck this. Like, yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. M. Night's probably going to... Where's M. Night? Is he next up? Um, He's not next up. Okay, okay. Um, we have Michael Catton-Jones for Basic Instinct 2, who we've also discussed fighting a losing battle but like yeah that movie's pretty badly directed yeah it doesn't help if, if it wasn't Sharon Stone like we said I think you could have because there is like Thulis is fine yeah and like you did you did you did direct people you did direct you did have things in it that I like it was a thankless um, task for yeah. old Cat and Jones for sure yeah and then we have Mr. Razzie throwing down the gauntlet Uwe Ball for Blood Rain 100%. Probably should have won. <laughs> <laughs> well, the winner is M. Night Shyamalan for Lady in the Water. Okay. So it's a double win for Mr. Yeah. Mr. Knight. Sweeping up. Yeah, okay. He's, he's welcome aboard the podcast. Yeah, so like deserved yeah. nomination for sure, but it's kind of kind of odd to... I'm just coming out. I've watched Lady in the Water and I'm now an M. Night stan and I don't think this was deserved, so I'm going to fight no, no, your no, corner, no. M. Night. I, I, I will... I, I'll agree with you. Like, I mean, it's, it's screenplay, script, yeah. Like, I r- r- rambled on about that for fucking 10 minutes, but direction, he's not a bad director. Me and Uwe Bowl are going to tag team Mr. Razzie on Mnet's behalf. Uwe's going to yeah, soften yeah. him up, and then I'm going to sub in for the last. <laughs> <laughs> Uwe Bowl's going to hold Mr. Razzie's hands behind his back, and I'm going to kick him in the groin. Um, uh, then we are on to worst screenplay, The Wicker Man. Okay. Screenplay adapted by Neil Labute from a screenplay by Anthony Schaefer. So that's the funny thing about The Wicker Man, is it was directed and written by Neil Labute. So I don't know how familiar you are with him. No. He's kind of had like a funny trajectory in that now he's like the showrunner of the weird Van Helsing series. But like, I know him for In the Company of Men, the movie with Aaron Eckhart. Mm -hmm. And like, he was like a kind of like critically acclaimed playwright. Like he was kind of like a, almost like David Mamet-esque playwright. And then just suddenly did The Wicker Man out of the blue um so yeah that's that's always like yeah it's kind of weird okay. it's yeah yeah 
So then we have Little Man, written by Keenan Ivory Wayans, Marlon Wayans, and Sean Wayans. What a fun writer's room that must have been to be in. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dreadful screenplay. Yeah, not good. Lady in the Water, written by M. Night Shyamalan. Kind of covered yeah, that. Which, yeah. which, if he's going to win, it should be for this, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's much worse written than it is directed, that's for sure. 100%. Then we have Blood Rain, screenplay by Guinevere Turner, based on the video yeah, game. Yeah, like Guinevere? You like Guinevere too? I didn't she think did. I did, but I've now looked up and saw her She first... had one big film. Yeah. <laughs> one big film, and she does TV work as well, I think. Could be thinking of someone else here. But I don't know how the fuck she's on an Uwe Ball film. Yeah. That's strange. I mean, again, it's theatrical and the money's probably there. I don't know. She's not. She's not. She didn't do American Psycho two with Shatner. So, <laughs> so no, like it's it's not a well written film. Of course, it's not. It's Uwe Ball, so I don't think there was much of a script. I know. I know from like Alone in the Dark that or House of the Dead, whatever one I'm thinking of. Yeah. The the Slater one. Yeah. That there are very much just make it up. As we go along, you know, you have a you have a structure, but not really a script. Yeah. And we can just, eh, we can just ad lib some stuff. What would your character? What do you think your character would say in these roles? You know, like, what do you think should happen, Mister Slater? Yeah. Um, what do you think? You know, <laughs> like, so I'm, just, I'm glad she didn't win. So as you as you referred to there, she wrote the screenplay for American Psycho, but she also wrote the film Go Fish, and I have information for you here. Director Kevin Smith was a fan of the movie, particularly a scene in it wherein, in an imagined sequence, some of the character's friends chastise her for selling out and sleeping with a man, and used it as an inspiration for his own take on a similar theme in his own film Chasing Amy. Poorly worded sentence by Wikipedia there. Right. Turner has cameos in both Chasing Amy and Smith's later film Dogma. Smith also named Joey Lauren Adams' character in Mallrats after Turner. Oh, so, fuck. I did wow. not know she had the Smith connection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally just no firm American Psycho. So yeah, wrote one of my favourite movies of all time, but was also attached to the cinematic Antichrist. So hard to, hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the winner, Basic Instinct 2, screenplay by Laura Barish and Henry Bean, based on characters created by Joe Esterhass. And we are coming to the end here with Mr. Razzie's trademark nonsense worst excuse for family entertainment and at least okay. at least all of these movies have come up so we have the okay. shaggy dog the worst oh. worst family film that's yeah. what it is that's, it? yeah yeah. Just, yeah okay that's fine we have the shaggy dog we have the santa claus 3 the escape clause we have garfield a tale of two kitties <laughs> we have deck the halls and the winner is rv Oh, so it had to be the one I'm, I've not fucking heard of. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know what... I'm picking Garfield there. It's probably the worst one of the ones I've seen. Yeah. I have not heard of RV, and I've not got any recollection of the Shaggy Dog. So the three I think I've seen, I'm definitely going for a tale of two. Tale of two kitties. So, yeah, as we've covered on the podcast before, me being a devotee of family cinema, I have seen all of them, and RV is the only one I can't really recall. So okay. it, it might be bad, but it's probably just in a sort of generic 
like a bad Robin Williams movie where it's just like a little sad, like, oh, why are you doing gags about the toilet not flushing? Or like, why are you... Yeah. But yeah, anyway, no real, no real opinion on that. Before we leave the Razzies, there's something to, something to cover here, which is a little oddity for this year. For the first time, the awards program was broadcast over the internet on msnbc.com via cell phone in an experimental live webcast referred to as the Cell Ecast. The show was shot on a series the show was the show was shot on a series of cell phones and transmitted live by NBC Media Productions. Ooh. And so there's a, there's an actual We're have to find this. There's an actual still on Wikipedia where yeah. it's a bunch of men dressed up in drag. It looks like they're doing a bit from Dream Girls, maybe. There's okay. a bunch of men in sort of Afro wigs. And like, I don't know, we will have to try and find this because a broadcast on 2006 quality cell phones. This is This is a <laughs> This is This is strange. Um <laughs> I uh I want to see this. I, I want I want I want to watch this. Um, we're we're gonna have to find this. A hundred percent. So yeah, listeners, if you can track it down, then send it in. But yeah, we will have to try and find it because no one no one can say that Mr. Razzy isn't a trier because he certainly he certainly attempts a whole bunch of stunts throughout the Razzie's history, and that's one of the mm-hmm. more compelling ones I've got to say. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. Why does he do it now? When everyone has Twitch and can just broadcast, you can have four K yeah, cameras. You could easily fucking do this now. Like, I mean, no one, no one, no one's going to tune in. Like, <laughs> but yeah, okay, that was a uh, that was fun. We've had a we've had a weird year though. I think for like nominations, it's not what I expected when I was doing my little uh, research. Yeah, um, there were films. I, I just a few. I'm just going to throw out here that I expected to see. Yeah, I expected Saw three. Yeah. Um, was my first one. Mm-hmm. I, I thought we were going to get like a... Because now we're getting to our torture porn years in 2006. Uh, Black Dahlia and all this starting to come to De Palma. Like he's going to throw these all together and not really understand them. And yeah, yeah. Just killers and stuff. The breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn. Oh, shit. Which, which is a, a film that's so bad. I, I went on a date with a girl to see it. And I, I broke up 16. before the credits rolled. I, 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 li- <laughs> I literally, the film broke me off from her. Um, I, I was fucking miserable and I just wanted to go home. Um, I, I could be playing video games or doing something else. I can't, and it's a bad, bad film. I can't remember if I have told this story on the podcast before, but in acting class, a guy once brought in a scene from the breakup where he like the other actor was going to play Vince Vaughn and he was going to play the unnamed bartender. He brought in a scene to do in which he would have like two lines being like, ah, buddy, that sounds rough. And like, so it sounds like you're broken up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, meanwhile, I was coming in with my Neil Labute. I was doing the Wicker Man. Or I was doing Streetcar <laughs> in Desire, and this guy brings in the breakup. I a couple other ones. I've got a few more. Final Destination Three was in the the again the, the gore category or whatever they're going to call it. Yeah, I just expected that this year, and I've been totally wrong. Yeah, she's the man. Oh, was one of them. The Amanda Bunch one. Yes, I expected that to pop up here. Yeah, just because I, I I remember the backlash mm-hmm. and how much people hated it when it came out. There is a so the one film I I went to see this in the cinema that is relevant because we've been speaking about it is uh, Nacho Libre 
from the director of Napoleon oh, Dynamite. Oh shit! Yeah, um, <laughs> where Jack Black, Jack Black's a Mexican wrestler. Do you remember that has... one time when everyone was <laughs> chanting my name, and I used my strength to rip my blouse? <laughs> Which was a film I went to see in the cinema, and it had all you the ingredients. <laughs> that I should have loved it at the time. Yeah. Then I didn't. I didn't at the time. Oh, wow. um, I I don't know why. It yeah. was something something about it that yeah. just didn't click. And I watched it about I guess you guys aren't ready for that, but your kids yes. are gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I watched it again years later and I was yeah. like, oh, why because I remembered yeah. it so fucking vividly. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay, I actually love this film. Yeah. Um this is my this is my you're not appreciating your time film. Yeah. And because maybe other people I was with didn't enjoy it too, mm. and I know it wasn't well received. Yeah, sort of a big, you know, fall from grace from Napoleon. He lost a lot of momentum. Yeah, well, so, like he was almost like he like people were almost like he was almost seen as like a Wes Anderson type mm-hmm. of like he's like an old chewer and what's this guy gonna do after Napoleon? And then he made Nacho, and people were like, never mind, next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like he's been making great films ever since. Like I, I really like Jared Hess, but like he was on a different level after Napoleon and Nacho immediately knocked him down a whole bunch of pegs. A hundred percent. And then the last one, I just I I guess because I thought it would come up for you is Clerks Two. Um, Ooh, yeah. Which which is two thousand and six. <laughs> I I thought, like I said, I did say to you, it was going to get worse donkey performance. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I was was there a Shrek film as well? I was like, they're they're yeah, going to find. He's oh, going to scour. Oh man. He's going to scour yeah. worst donkey performance <laughs> in a motion picture. He's going to go through every fucking movie there is. Yeah, I I don't hate Clerks too. I know I think you hate it a lot more than I do. It's it's weird because every year I'm like, do I want to look up what Kevin Smith movie is out? But like, I'm willing to like i'm i'm not an incel like mr razzy i can hold up my hands and say that like it's kind of subjective like i hate Mm -hmm. kevin smith and like technically i think he's like unimaginative and has all the visual style of potato but like i don't think he's we'll we'll we'll, i'll I'll keep the powder dry for when yoga hosers is out but like Mm -hmm. i don't think clerks to like i would struggle to hold up things in Clerks 2, which are objectively terrible on the way that, like, on the way that, like, the little man are. It's just, like, I don't really yeah. like him as kind of... And that's fair. I, I, as we've said many times, I'm not Kevin Smith, but I like Clerks, I like Dogma. Yeah. That's it. That's it. We're at, like, t- two out of 20 is not a great return. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm not going to really die on his hill at all. I don't hate Clerks 2 because it's not just clerks one again clerks two has some things going for it like it's not one it of does. the ones i hate unreservedly like there it's are... got it it has hits it has yeah. bits in it that are genuinely funny uh mm, it has some not ch- wild, no, but... no 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 some bits that are genuinely funny is not going wild but it has also <laughs> some of the biggest misses not least the goodbye horses scene which he does a callback to in jay and silent bob reboot but it just, it blew my mind of like, I remember, because I watched all of his films in the pandemic because I was intent on giving myself like a mental breakdown. And it just blew my mind that I was like, we're, you're opening your film, you're devoting a substantial chunk of time to doing a Goodbye Horses, Science of the Lambs gag in 2006. I was like, I could do an extended I drink your milkshake bit. Mm-hmm. in 2020 and that would still be more timely and relevant than doing 
Buffalo Bill gags in 2006. Mm. Like, it's just, that's a perfect example of him just being frozen in amber and having just, like, not grown or developed as a filmmaker or tastes or anything. He's just, he's still a 1991. Yeah, it would have barely been relevant in Clerks 1. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, again, there's bits, I'm not going to, I'm not going to die on the hill of Clerk 2. Um, but it's it's definitely you know I have that tier and it's not it's somewhere in it's somewhere in the threes and fours and my most liked Kevin Smith films. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's it. So I got a few surprises here. I didn't expect some of these. I didn't expect there's a few I totally just fucking forgot about. Yeah, like fair. It's, it's a it's a pretty bad year for cinema yeah. for me um, in terms of low lows. Yeah. But Basic Instinct Two is not the worst. And not by far. No. We could have been watching Larry the Cable Guy and uh, <laughs> cancelled the podcast. So it's all good. <laughs> so we're gonna say goodbye to the Razzies, but we do just have to say goodbye to another friend. The Stinkers. The final ever year of the Stinkers was in two thousand and six. So. The the winner, they gave it to Blood Rain, but the nominees were all shared with the Razzies, apart from Zoom, I think. But I'm just going to hurl through the dishonourable mentions for you. Okay, thank you. American Dreams, An American Haunting, Babel, Barnyard, The Benchwarmers, Big Mama's House 2, The Black Dahlia, Borat, The Breakup, Click, The Da Vinci Code, Date Movie, Dougal, The Fountain, Freedom Land, Garfield, Tale of Two Kitties, Grandma's Boy, the Hills Have Eyes, Hoot, Idiocracy, Inland Empire, Just My Luck, Larry the Cable Guy Health Inspector, London, Medea's Family Reunion, Marie Antoinette, Material Girls, Natural Libre, National Lampoons, Pledge This, The Pink Panther, Poseidon, RV, Rocky Balboa, The Escape Clause 3, uh, Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, rather. Um, <laughs> A Scanner Darkly, Scary Movie 4, The Shaggy Dog, oh Silent Hill, Stick It, The Tiger and the Snow, Ultraviolet, What's Up, Rockers, and The Wild. Okay, that is... I'm glad we don't do the stinkers. <laughs> wow. So, there's a few there, like, I just need to run through... Idiocracy is one of my favourite comedies. Yeah. It's one of my favourite Mike Judges. Yeah. I fucking really like Inland Empire. It's not my favourite Lynch, but I... I Hold the special place Speaking of filmed on cell phones and <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. A scanner darkly, uh, Linklater is yeah. one of my favorites. Uh, I adore that film more than anything. Rocky Balboa is one of my favorite Rockies. I know you don't love it as much as I do, and that's yeah. fair, but. Well, I just uh, want to flag yeah. it up as this is must be the only time Sylvester Stallone has ever caught a break. Like, yeah, I, I, oh, I would have thought I, the Razzies would have went for him, but. I would be fucking. This is not the year to give him. This is my. No, 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 no. Yeah, that is a fucking strange list there. I mean, we've kind of touched on it before with our ongoing vendetta with David Lynch, but like hating Scanner Darkly. Fundamentally, the stinkers just hate art. And yeah, like, they're, I mean, that's they're... a that's a that's an accusation we've kind of leveled at the Razzies, like jokingly with Blonde, but like the Stinkers legitimately do seem to hate any any kind of ambition or like any sort yeah. of artistic statement. And that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know what they want. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. what, what what did they consider good? You know, like um, yeah. What else the fuck was there? There was something else you said there. I was I got uh, also you know there's stuff like 
what was it Borat you said? Yeah. Which is now a beloved classic. Uh, Silent Hill is a great, probably the best video game adaptation there is. Yeah. Not a great film, but it's the best of, you know, well, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, don't get it. With something which you've always given them credit for is beating Mr. Razzie when it comes to making up their categories. So I'm going to read out a couple for you. So we have Worst Movie Title, which went to Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Which is a great title. Exactly, um. yeah. That is showing you don't get the joke. This is just mm-hmm. someone advertising how they just do not get the gag. Other nominees, Barnyard, The Original Party Animals, Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit, Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan, The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, Snakes on a Plane. Like, oh, Borat and Talladega other... Nights do not deserve to be held up alongside no. The Escape Clause. 100%. There's two great titles in there. Yeah. And Snakes on a Plane also promises what it delivers. It does. A joke title. Worst director, Uwe Boll, won that, but also nominated were Brian De Palma for The Black Dahlia and David Lynch for Inland Empire. Chevy Chase took home Worst Supporting Actor for Dougal and Zoom. Amanda Bynes was nominated for She's the Man, but interestingly, okay. She's the Man wasn't nominated as, as a film. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Most painfully unfunny comedy goes to Date Movie, but the other nominees were Beer Fest, Deck the Halls, Jackass Number 2, and Little Man. So this was a Jackass year, and Mr. Yeah. Razzie didn't resurrect the most flatulent teen comedy yeah. award. <laughs> Worst song or song performance in a film or its end credits. Snakes on a Plane, parenthesis Bring It, by Cobra Starship from Snakes on a Plane. A friend of mine wrapped that on stage with Cobra Starship, just to uh, name drop. Check on it, Pink Panther by Beyonce, featuring Slim Thug from the Pink Panther. Dreams with a Z by Mandy Moore from American Dreams. The Hava Nagila Slide by DJ Quick from Keeping Up with the Steins. And Oh Kazakhstan by Sasha Baron Cohen from Borat. <laughs> so, Jesus like. Jesus Christ. I don't know. How do you how do you not get that joke? Yeah. They have worst accent categories. Most annoying fake accent male and most annoying fake accent female. And they have like about 24 nominees probably all in all. But look over that in your own time. The the thing I want to single them out for is the Spencer Breslin Award for Worst Performance by a Child in a Feature Role. So, here is how you do it, Mr. Razzie. You want to go in on a child, you Whoa. go in on them. Like, you name them. In the, like, <laughs> you name the award after yeah. them. Wow. And I feel so sorry for Spencer Breslin as if he doesn't have to live with like being the older sibling of Abigail Breslin. So having like your sister being held up as one of the best child actors and you being yeah. the poster child for being one of the worst. And then you also wow. get an award named after you. Like I recognized him from Cat in the Hat. That was a thing that like Oh, okay, okay. I I got him from. But he won this year for the Santa Claus 3, the Escape Clause, the Shaggy Dog, and Zoom. So, yeah, eat your heart out, Mr. Razzie. Wow, that is, um, that's a surprise. It's a shock. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Uh, fucking hell, that's pretty bad. I'm glad, yeah, but good, 
get on the Raz- escape from the Razzies. Who gives a shit about the stinkers? Well, like? Mike, at least Mr. Razi had the good grace to euphemistically name it New Star as opposed to yeah, Child. Yeah, I could hide her in <laughs> Child, but children I hate. I'm gonna I'm gonna read out the other ones for you. So we have Tristan Lake LeBeau in Superman Returns. So he's like son of Superman, who I I think yeah. he's good as wheezy ass my kid. <laughs> he was a representation for representation for all us uh respiratorily challenged individuals out there mm-hmm. grayson russell and talladega knights the ballad of ricky bobby he's one of walker or texas ranger dominique saldana in unaccompanied minors and then houston tumlin in talladega knights the ballad of ricky bobby so he's the other mm-hmm. walker or texas ranger and Tragically, he passed away. Like he became a troop. He joined the army, and then committed suicide after returning oh, because of PTSD. So yeah, very, very sad oh, end to is... the podcast. Yeah, um, well, that's a downer, isn't it? Great yeah. for that. Well, that's <laughs> that's why you don't nominate children. No, it's true. That's it. Yeah. So anyway, on that very tragic note. <laughs> We're going to conclude this week's episode and all that remains to be said is if you have enjoyed this very sombre descent into tragedy then you can follow us on social media where we are watching worst and you can email us with any questions, any um, information, any things you want to share with us at watchingworstfilms at gmail.com if you manage to track down the video of the ceremony, then please hit us up there. Please, please. Indeed, if you are Mr. Razi and you want to pass that along to people who will mm-hmm. mock you relentlessly and call you an you're, insult, yeah, you're, then... You're still that's... not invited on, but we'd appreciate it. <laughs> 100%. Um, then that's where you can get in touch with us. And join us next week when we will be dealing with my new favourite director, M. Night Shyamalan, as we are going to be covering the last airbender so very fitting can he sustain this new expectation <laughs> is this going to be a very short-lived love affair with m Knight? find out next week looking forward to it see you later guys welcome back oh my mic stands falling off. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um. that's staying in <laughs>